Welcome to Game Face, episode 103. A bit of a surprise episode for us, Matt. Yeah, tell me about it. Here on Wednesday. <laughs> a bit of a surprise for me, too. Unfortunately, we had to do Wednesday this week because our TriCaster operator, Sam, has a gig out of town and needs to take off. So we had to bump it up a little bit. Uh, today's episode is probably going to be a little shorter than usual. We haven't had a lot of time to play games since the last app. Not a lot has come out. Yeah, and nothing's real, but we have kind of caught up and played some stuff that we weren't able to talk about on the last show. So this might be a quicker and sweeter game phase than you're used to. Based upon some of the feedback on YouTube, I think some people there might be happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, was there complaints about the length? About the length, yes. Uh, We added timestamps to uh, the last episode, and we'll add them to this one as well. Uh, Once you have timestamps, I don't really understand what the problem is. You can watch as little or as much of the show as you want to. So So it's not like YouTube is live. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, there will be timestamps down below for those of you watching this on YouTube. There's a two and a half hour review of Fallout 4 on there, and it's like got two million views. I'm not not buying length as a problem. Maybe we're just not as interesting as someone making fun of Todd Howard for two hours. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, in general, just since the first few episodes have gone up on YouTube, Mm -hmm. it's different, obviously, from having our own community on Sifted and having other people consume the show. Mostly, though, people have been awesome. They're really loving the show and they're liking it a lot. Thank you very much for all the compliments you guys have sent along uh, in the comments. We appreciate it very much. Uh, Our Patreon is still rocking along. We have about a week and a half or two weeks left. Um, Patreon.com slash Sifted. You can see it on the bottom of the screen there. Uh, I am in in preparation of doing a 24-hour live stream mat where I play games for... Bloodborne? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. We're, I'm still Sorry, figuring out the game. the best first impression. Yeah, we, we may do some polling on Sifted to kind of figure out what people want to see, whether they want me to want to see me play just one game and try to finish it in the 24 hours, or whether they want to see a bunch of games across mm. it. It might very well kill me, I might add. A person of my age staying up 24 hours playing video games, mm. it could kill me. <laughs> I'm yeah, not even you, kidding. You go to bed on Saturday. You go what? You wake up on Saturday at the time you used to go to bed on Saturday. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So I am. Uh, I'm a little nervous about it, but in all honesty, there's nothing that matters more than this Patreon. So Man, I mean, to be fair, uh, dying on stream will get you a lot of Patreon. <laughs> that my traffic. ancestors. I don't even have any kids to give the money to, so it'll just go to the state or whatever. Well, your, maybe, wife, your wife can run it. Maybe they'll finally fix the roads in Los Angeles with the money that they make. But uh, yeah, big stream is coming up. 24-hour stream of me playing games. Might have some people come in and say hello throughout the course of the stream, but basically just going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be probably the last weekend before the Patreon ends. It'll be a big drive for the page- Patreon. So cool. we'll see how that goes. Anyway, the Patreon, yeah. tons of rewards, different tiers, lots of fun stuff in there. Check it out. We appreciate every dollar you guys donate. Uh, generally, $2 for Pactor Factor, $4 for everything. Uh, and then there's bigger amounts for really fun stuff, including getting into Pactor's E3 party. So check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've no, you know, I've seen people from Sifted pop up on uh, my Facebook show, which is Bits and Bytes with a B Y T E S. I didn't say that last time because oh, I've been saying that helps. The, been saying the title so much that you forget there's another bite. Right. Um, but yeah, it's up there. Uh, I've seen a lot of Sifted people pop up, so thanks for thanks for that. That's how they had to work to find it. Like yeah. they kind of crowd they crowd sourced finding the video on right. Facebook. It's yeah. like, uh, so it's like it's I think it's Bits and Bytes show is the is the if you search URL, for that, it should pop whatever. up. But you bits, yeah, bits and bytes, and I think you have to use 
It's either the AND or the ampersand. One comes up and the other doesn't because search engines. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, keep going and liking and sharing if you like it. It's based. I wrote all of them. It's hosted by Trisha Hirschberger, which you, who you may know from uh, Rev Three and Geek and Sundry and some many other things. But uh, it's basically X Play segments. You like X Play? Give it yeah, a watch. It's also shot in my apartment, so it also co-stars my DVD collection. <laughs> if you want to see what's on my shelf. All right, let's get on with the show. The first game we're going to talk about this week is Capcom versus Marvel Infinite. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. My brain <laughs> wow. just imploded right there. Um, Preview of the 24-hour live stream. Yeah, right it could get real dirty in hour, like, 19 or whatever. It could get really bad. Um, Matt, you've been playing it. The, the game has bit. been it getting... It finally showed up last night, so I got a couple hours in. The game has been getting ho-hum reviews. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's about right. Yeah. It seems that the scores fluctuate based upon how hardcore of a fighting game player the reviewer is. Mm -hmm. It seems like the more they are into fighting games and the better they are at fighting games, the less they like it. And the people who are maybe just enjoy fighting games on the periphery seem to be enjoying it a lot more. Yeah, well, there's a lot of accessibility to it. Um, it's uh, it's interesting. Like, and like, there's you know, there's people that got it early in the fighting game community that are like playing it and streaming it and liking it. But then a lot of people are accusing them of like just taking money for it. You know, it's it's become a, a little bit divisive, I think, in that like there's people who haven't played it who can't believe anybody would like it. Uh, and it's, I mean, look, it's fine. Like it it, it plays it plays pretty well. Um, you know, the combos are there. The, the thing people are talking about in terms of like accessibility is like if you if you get in on on a character and you just hammer the light punch button, you'll do like a nine hit combo automatically. <laughs> like like a full, it becomes a it's full like auto. Insta combo. And I'm, I don't mean like you'll just hit them like nine. Like you'll 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 move into other moves that are not done with light light punch and launch them and do like an air combo and smash them back down to the ground. Just by ta just by tapping <laughs> light punch button. nine times, <laughs> um, so I understand where. But the thing is, it's not a tremendously high damage combo. There's way better ways to do serious damage, so it's not going to win you a tournament right, at, right. at any point. Obviously, um, it's just and like uh, hitting heavy punch and heavy kick together doesn't doesn't what's called an easy uh, easy ultra ultimate or a super move whatever. And so, like sometimes that'll happen by accident because my instinct is still to hit those two buttons together to tag. Um, but it does feel a little homogenized, I guess I'd say, because every character... I haven't used everybody, but everybody kind of feels similar in a lot of ways. Like, there's, there's, there's like if you have a kind of a baseline of how to play, like, with the basic four-button combo stuff, you're going to be able to play anybody, like, you know, competently, not necessarily, like, at a high level. Like, clearly, I don't understand how Doctor Strange works yet, because he's got all these fancy special moves he can set up things and do stuff. So I don't know that yet. But if you give me, like, basically, basically any brawler... Especially with like a like a Ryu style projectile, like Iron Man or Captain Marvel, like I'm going to do all right because I already know how that all works. Um, so I kind of understand where people are talking about. It feels shallow, but I feel like like with any of these games, people are going to find quirks and stuff to work with. I think the Infinity Gems are kind of the key. Uh, there's a lot of people saying that there's a couple characters, mainly I think Thanos. Is, Can you explain uh, that? Uh, well, for people who may not know, the Infinity Stone. It's not gems anymore. They're stones because of the movies. Uh, so the Infinity Stones uh, are basically a, a special power power ability that you have on L1 on a controller, and you pick between the six Infinity Stones when you choose your team, and each one does a has a different thing. So you hit that button, and it does a particular move. Like a, I think a Space Gem uh, hits the hits your opponent back and does a wall bounce or something like that, or maybe or maybe it pulls you pulls them towards you or whatever. But they're all like a quick little 
one-off ability. Time makes you dash real fast, like jump, you cover a lot of distance real fast. And then when the meter on the infinity stone fills up, you hit uh, L1 and R1 together, and you get uh, like an infinity, like super time, you know, like, like, it's like a hyper combo period where whatever the stone is if, does has an effect. So like, um, let me think which one. So like, there's one, there's one, I can't remember which one does which, but basically, it's like one because I haven't just haven't got like I, oh I think space creates like a, a like a box and like your opponent can't get out of the box no so they can, it kind of holds them in a smaller space so you can combo on them however you want uh, one of them I think reality your soul uh, calls in your partner to be right with you and you both hit at the same time during a combo even if your partner has been defeated oh wow. Um, so, uh, so there's a lot. So there's basically people saying that like you know characters that don't seem competitive can be made competitive with the right Infinity Stone. But there's a lot of lab work going on, which is fighting game fighting game term for basically I'm, they're sitting in training and seeing how what works. But if you can use the same Infinity Stones for every character, wouldn't it just increase the power of the more powerful characters as well? No, because what moves someone can do matters. Okay. So like you know the, like the stone that ma- that gives you your second character. Um, if you have a character like, say, if your second character is, say, Captain Marvel, who, uh, if you do, like, a fireball move with, uh, Heavy Punch, her fireball points up, so it launches them, uh-huh. like, you can do more with that okay, than, okay, like, yeah. someone who maybe doesn't have something like that. So, it's, it's about finding the quirks of the different characters, and, you know, it's, it's like, you know, in the old, it's like, if you wanted a good assist in Marvel 3, like, early on, Doom and his missiles were... The, you know what you use to lock somebody down. So it's going to come down to like, uh, you know, what combos can you work out with these different con- you know configurations of characters and which one works and which one doesn't. I do find it interesting that they have they have a built-in anti Chris G uh, technology in this game. Chris G was a player um, who dominated Marvel Three in the the tournament scene for a couple of years, at least a year. Uh, with his uh, mirror Morrigan strategy, so Morrigan can break into two versions of herself, and she basically does the same moves mirrored. And what he would do is he would mirror, do the mirror super, and just launch fireballs and just fill the screen with fireballs. And nobody could do anything. And it took a year to really for people to come up with a solid strategy around that. So now, in this game, if you do a, if you, so there's a, a, a technique in the Marvel games called advancing guard, <coughs> where if you, uh, when you block, you, you hit uh, the buttons together and uh, two punch buttons together or all three depending on which one you're playing and it, it knocks the opponent back it like pushes them does away does it stagger them? Uh, no it okay. just back you know, and you can continue your combo but it just pops them away it saves you a little chip damage gotcha, so gotcha. in this game if you do that the instant you get hit by a projectile, you reflect the projectile back. Oh, wow. Um, so so Mor- now you can use that technique. So now I can use that to kind of complicate the Morgan trick, if that Morgan trick even works in this one. I don't know. It's a, it's a very different game. It's, it feels kind of chunkier, I guess would be the description. I'd say it feels like the earlier. It feels like X-Men versus Street Fighter and Marvel Superheroes versus Street Fighter a bit more than Marvel versus Capcom. Or maybe the first Marvel versus Capcom because it's only two people. It's not three right. characters. Yeah. There's only 30 characters in the game, I think, as opposed to Marvel versus Capcom. Well, this is going to be a DLC smorgasbord. Oh, <laughs> and actually, I have, I have a complaint about that related to the story mode, uh, which we can get into in a the second. The story mode is what I've played of this. I played the demo that was out. I was mm-hmm. not particularly impressed. I I find it pretty embarrassing. It, it is kind of embarrassing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And my problem with it is, is I mean, it, it basically takes place in a 
I guess, uh, the worlds of Capcom, which is not an actual world. Right. Of, and the world <laughs> and the Marvel Universe have been squished together in some kind of convergence thing. And it's ruled uh, by, or being, attempting to be taken over by Ultron Sigma, which is a combination of Ultron from the Marvel Universe and Sigma from Mar Mega Man X. Uh, and he's winning, basically. And it starts in the middle of all that, and all the like, Marvel and Capcom characters all know each other already. And the f first part, I mean, you've seen the, the fight on the Rainbow Bridge in Asgard, or Exgard now, because it's a combination of the future city of Mega Man X and Asgard. From <laughs> None of it makes any damn sense. It doesn't, sense. yeah. But later on, they go to... Um, uh, they go to um, Valkanda, which is a combination of Wakanda from Black Panther and uh, City from uh, Monster Hunter. And Man. the two characters you meet there <laughs> are Black Panther and the Monster Hunter girl. And it's like, fuck you. Yeah. Like they're, That's DLC characters. Like DLC characters running around in the game right. with their character models. You don't get to play them. Yeah. But like, Unless you pay. But it's it's just like, it's such a... And I, I'm Dirty. coming up on the thing. I, I, I'm about halfway through it, I think. And I'm clearly coming up on a part where Venom's about to show up. Another DLC character. And it's like, not only is it like... Are they charging... It's an advertisement for DLC. Oh, it's ad, ad, or, I mean... I don't usually subscribe to the idea that you've like hacked things out of the main game to sell as DLC later, but this sure feels like it. It look it looks like it. Yeah. I and think what's surprising me the most about the story mode is how poorly it's written. The story sucks, but look, yeah. I any I game was surprised like this, at who uh, Chun Li's voice was. Who is it? Ashley Birch. Oh, is it? Yeah. Well, they did change Chun Li at least. Chun Li looks better based upon I, the but, initial feedback. But the uh, the art style of the cutscenes is awful it really is like when spider-man shows up he looks like some kind of ape like it's i don't know what the hell they were thinking i don't expect a great story from games like this where you kind of mash up two ips and mm -hmm. you're trying to make sense of why they would ever come together i mean we've we've seen it done well before obviously nether realm's done a great job with injustice kind of mm -hmm. mashing up those universes but i don't expect a lot out of it but I'm just surprised at how poor the writing is in this because the the other part of too about it with me is that some of this stuff appears to be like taken from the Marvel films mm -hmm. instead of the comic books, and I oh, would it's all MCU, right? And I would figure that they would have tighter quality standards for something like this and would have pushed back on some of this care. stuff. I don't think they. Care. I'm surprised by that though. Well, how many people are going to see this? I mean, it's like look, this game is going to be huge. It's going to look. The not in, not reviews, in it's going to be a big game. Not in comparison to the movies. It's 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 a blip on the radar compared to how many people watch the movies. It doesn't matter. It's the same, probably the same reason uh, Marvel doesn't care that their TV stuff sucks. Yeah. Well, some yeah. of it does. Some of it doesn't. But yeah, it all sucks. You I mean, think it all sucks? Uh, I'm not talking about the Netflix stuff. I'm talking about like broadcast TV uh, stuff. Okay, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. Agents of Shield. Everyone says Agents of Shield got better, but I just don't see it. I never watch network TV. Um, I don't watch anything on NBC, CBS, yeah. ABC, Fox. But basically, it's like does it? You know, and it was like, oh, but doesn't Matt first? It's done by a different division. It doesn't, you know, Marvel, the film division right. doesn't have anything to do with that. And B, like it's the same reason you're never going to see any of those characters or Phil Coulson or anybody in the movies again is because. You know, a couple hundred thousand people watch the shows, and millions of people watch the movies all over the world. And you can't just suddenly bring in something that only a hundred thousand people saw as part of this thing that ten million people are going to see. Well, I think this game, I think, will probably end up selling a couple million before it's all yeah, said and done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's the story modes in it, which yeah. is a, a step <laughs> up from the, the last. That's the best thing you can say about movies. it, though. It's in there. Um, but it's like to me, actually, it kept reminding me of because um, clearly they're trying to do sort of a Nether Realm sort of injustice, Mortal right. Kombat X thing. But 
to me, it feels more like the story from Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, yeah. which was kind of the same thing. Like it was. Cut scene, it's hacked together. Useless yeah. cutscene, throwaway five-second fight, useless cutscene, load time, load time. I say, and it's like, and you're like, what are you? What's happening? Like, what are you talking about? And like. There's a lot of people standing around randomly getting in fights because you have to have fights. Because and like they need to fight. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's it doesn't really do anything. And the funny thing is, like, the in-game character models look way better than the, the cutscene character models. Yeah. I like, mean, probably they recorded those cutscenes and that was that. They probably yeah. had, couldn't go back and It feels like there the was, there's been some tweaking happening on the character models in-game, whereas the, the pre-rendered cutscenes are what they are. And... Uh, well, one thing I will say yeah. is, based upon what you said, it's, it sounds like it's a fighting game that can appeal to both the noob and more expert players. Yeah, I mean, it's accessible in that regard. I just don't know if much of it is going to draw a noob in or a Marvel fan in because it's so much stuff with Capcom things that no one would necessarily know already. Um, the writing is not good. Like every every line is yeah, either super cheesy or super predictable. Like yeah. my girlfriend was I like, I couldn't believe it. My girlfriend was guessing lines before they were said yeah. when she was watching me play. Um, voice acting is pretty good, but they can only do so much with the material they're given. You know, um, they've got a great cast. Like the cast is amazing, but like they just didn't give them anything to work with. Um, some of it's. Pre- do you think I- this is going to be an Evo- a game that's going to be big at Evo? Well, it's going to be at Evo because Capcom's going to make sure it is. Right, but, is but... It, it's going to be big because there's going to be money to be won. That doesn't mean that mean it's any good. I mean, I mean, people play what's there that the big prizes are there for. Right. So it'll be there, but like, I don't know if that means anything. I guess it just means that get Capcom supporting it with money. Which, to be fair, they're showing off the Infinity. Yeah, Stone there's right the there. there's the Infinity Stone, uh, the rea- the Space Stone. I think that is. Um, so, I mean, at least Capcom will support it, or is it more you can say for something like Smash Brothers, which it, what Evo Japan doesn't even have a prize, because Nintendo's not supporting that. Right. Well, Nintendo like, seems to want to do its own esports initiatives and doesn't really want to support sort of these independent yeah. tournaments as much, which but is it, a shame, but... But it's just like, it feels, it, to me, I mean, it's not bad. Like, I, I, it's not something I'm, I'm, you know, I wish I could return or anything because I'm a, I'm a fan of the genre and I like the characters on both sides for the most part. I think the roster's too small. I think it looks Well, yeah, isn't ugly. the biggest problem this game has is that Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite 3, or Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Ultimate is out there? Pretty much. With this yeah, huge, yeah. massive roster of fighters. I mean, that's, that, that looks... you saw the time jam. That was the, the green streak there was the time yeah. jam. Which looks um, pretty much just as good as this game as well. Yeah, I mean, well, I definitely like the art style of 3 better than this for the most part. Uh, although it's similar in a lot of ways. But there's a kind of a watercolor, kind of a Sumi-E look to 3 that I think works better than this. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that they finally did a story mode. But, like, and I realize, like, you can't do... You mean, I mean, the, the story is, is going to be fluff one way or the other just because of the nature of the premise. Yeah. But, like... There's got to be something, some better line. I mean, I, I mean, good know. writing is good, is good writing. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. You, you like pay it, for a great writer to write the script or you don't. And if you don't, this is what you end up with. And they're trying to kind of do the whole, uh, you know, the Marvel style sort of like quippy, uh, 
some of the quippy, witty, illuminate somebody's character in three lines and their interaction with people in a casual hangout scene, but yeah. it's like just not really working. It's just awkward, yeah. And every, a couple of times, I, think you're, it's, I still think the like the visual style and the cutscenes is very distracting. Like I can't pay attention to what uh, Captain America is saying because I'm too distracted by his gigantic trapezius muscles. <laughs> I mean, the man's the man's shoulders are above his head. Yeah, yeah. like it's it is very strange. Yeah. Um, who would you recommend this game to, Matt? Or would you recommend that people wait for a price drop for this? It, I feel like if you're not... I mean, look, Q4 if, is coming up. People have to be really picky about where they spend yeah, their money here if in you the don't couple want, months. If it's, if it's something like you're kind of interested in, but you're not going to like play it you know, professionally or like in tournaments, or you don't, you know, you're, if you're, you don't have a group of friends that like everybody just loves playing Marvel with each other, like I would say hang out, wait and see how it, it develops. Maybe pick up like a, like a bundle with like a, a character pass later for like maybe, you know, 40 bucks or 50 bucks. Just because like, I think I'd be more satisfied with it if the roster was more filled out. And right at the very least, I would wait for the first six character DLCs to be up and like kind of included in the package. Because right now I'm playing the story mode that has those characters in it. And I'm just like, it just makes me angry. Well, I guess and I don't saw... know. I don't know if that's a justifiable reaction to it, but it just feels like you're hanging Black Panther in front of me like that, and I'm just like, I want to play him, yeah. and you won't give him to me, but you'll still show him to me, like it's some like some kind of ad in this game I already paid sixty bucks for, and it annoys the hell out of me. The other thing too is I don't know if you saw today, but they're going to release Street Fighter Five as a package, which is they said they weren't going to do arcade. They did arcade edition with right. all the DLC wrapped into it. Initial pricing is only for Europe, forty euro in Europe. Um, for sure, it's going to come here. Mm-hmm. This is probably another game where you're going to eventually get. Yeah, I would wait for that version of this game. Wait for them to wait for them to finish the roster. Yeah, if I'm being honest, you know, and there's been more like you know DLC leaks or whatever, you know, data mining or whatever, and people have found uh, uh, there's a there's a there's a um, an X Men team apparently coming. Wolverine, you know, basically you know, the X Men ban apparently from Marvel has been negotiated. Uh, so the X-Men characters that are, you know, the staples of this franchise that are missing are, uh, sounds like they're coming back. Uh, there was another one I saw, which was like a Darkstalkers pack. I mean, you think about it. Um, think about how but many... I think I think once you give this thing a few months of, of DLC expansions, get it for a good price, you got a pretty damn good roster there. But right now, it just feels like you're, it still feels like you're buying an early access game, just like Street Fighter V. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Ultimate and the roster there. I mean, all those characters mm-hmm. are probably going to come to this. And then you look at this roster, there's, what, 30, I think, characters 30, yeah. in this? That's a lot of DLC characters coming. Yeah, I would a not lot. be. I would not be surprised if they double that roster through DLC right. within the next year. Which is which is dirty. That's, I mean, look, it's they're charging thirty bucks for the next six characters. Thirty. That's five bucks. <laughs> that's a, five bucks a character. And yeah, you get a bunch of costumes in that, but who cares? Who cares? Yeah. It's so like, I think we've come to the to the point where we're like, don't buy it. I mean, just just wait and see what they do. I yeah. mean, I, that should be pretty much anyone's, you know. Mo for this after Street Fighter Five. Yeah. If, if we're being honest. Like, yeah. Like you know, I hate to I hate to echo a Polygon article, but it's like it's like the smartest, the best reason not to. They said had an article. It's like the best reason not to pre-order Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite is um, Street Fighter Five. Is Capcom. And like, <laughs> and like and it's track record. And it's you know this is a more complete game than what launched with Street Fighter Five, but it still feels kind of empty in terms of the roster is small. All you've got is the mission mode and a standard arcade mode and this story. 
And honestly, this, the individual character stories in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 were a little better yeah. in some way. Because you only got really an ending with some the text. The bar is real low but here. They, let's, but like, let's just get that right. out of the way. <laughs> but the bar isn't really low in the sense that, like, NetherRealm is kicking your ass, Oh, yeah. Capcom. I mean, comparing I mean, it to what NetherRealm's doing. I mean, it's... do I think Street Fighter V is better than Injustice 2 as a fighting game? Yes. But is Injustice 2 a better product? Absolutely, because yeah. Injustice Two gives you tons of stuff to do. That story mode is great. The story, and that's the other thing uh, that I was thinking is, um, you know, because one of the things I, I compliment Injustice Two for is it feels like watching a, one of the good DC animated movies, right? And uh, you know, just it feels like it's on that level with like one of the, you know, because all the DC animated movies are not good, yeah. but, this, but the Injustice one, games feel pretty much like one of the one of the higher level good ones, right? And, uh, and that's cool. And that's, for a fighting game, I mean, sure, of course. It's, but it's, but the production value is good, and it's there, and it feels like watching an official DC product. And I was like, that's not how this feels. That's not how this. Mar-. But then I remembered, like, because I was looking up the cast, and I realized all the Marvel characters, for the most part, are voiced by the same people who have voiced those characters in Marvel's cartoons. And they, this really does feel like an episode of one of those cartoons, and that is not a compliment yeah, it's to not. the game. Yeah, it's I've like tried Mar- to watch some, and Marvel's I get animated ten game minutes is, in, and yeah, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, Marvel's animated game is simply not on the level of DC's. And yeah. as someone who grew up a Marvel fan, and as someone who will always extol a lot of the Marvel stuff over DC, DC has always kicked their ass in cartoons, and has continued to do so, and that shows no sign of abating. And in a way, that kind of makes the comparison between Injustice and this... A fair one because you're getting sort of this elevated version of both of those animated ideas, and they're still they're not playing above their game on the Marvel side. Yeah, and I think you know I think that's a, that's a that's a shortcoming that is a real thing and uh, something that's worth criticizing in a world where NetherRealm is making turning these games out regularly because they are they are changing. I think what we should expect from a fighting game. Oh, it is completely right the bar without a doubt. Yeah, the expectations for fighting games have gone through the roof at this mm-hmm. point because of NetherRealm. And clearly, so. clearly, this project did not have the budget to do something like you know, this. Is not this feels like a B game? It feels like a like a, like a B lister, which me. seems ridiculous it considering does. how big of a franchise this is. But it's like you know, it, it always feels you know the last two, this game and Marvel Three have always fe- has felt like we got them by the skin of our teeth. Yeah, you know, like. Does Marvel even care about making video games? Does Disney even care about making video games? Because the answer well, to Disney that is periodically has been no. no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is Capcom up to making something on that ambition scale? And like judging by Chun Li's face, they barely made it. You know, and <laughs> it's I, I I mean I don't know. Like uh, I, it's not like I'm not enjoying it, and I, it's fun to see everybody, but like. Capcom's in a bit of a rut right now. It is thanking yeah. its lucky stars it's and all, its Monster Hunter. The other, of course, the other element of it is like so many of these characters are, are returns from yeah. three. Yeah. You know, they, it's, it's reuse, reuse of assets uh, in a lot of ways. And like we're only, I think we're you're only really getting like three or four new characters uh, on each side, if that. Um, and the character, the new characters they chose are great. Like you know, Ultron's a cool addition. Captain Marvel's a great addition. Although I think I'm the only, sometimes I feel like the only person who likes Captain Marvel. Uh, Jetta is cool to see him again in 3D. It's yeah. great, but like, it needs more. more. And of course, it's yeah. getting more, but you have to pay more for that. So again, I feels like just wait until the price is evens out with what they're offering. Yep. All right, so we've all we're going to talk next about this is actually kind of a follow up on a topic we discussed last week on the show, which was PewDiePie. And the whole Firewatch mm-hmm. dust up. Um, what happened was after PewDiePie and went through sort of the controversy, um, 
his fans went to Steam and essentially carpet bombed the reviews for Firewatch. Mm. Uh, literally just thousands and thousands and thousands of negative reviews. The game has been out now for what, like a almost a year, I'm oh, guessing? Yeah, over a year, I think. And so Valve has been trying to figure out what to do to avoid this. And the solution that it's come up with is that it is going to start... I guess at first it, it had a bunch of ideas, but the idea it eventually settled on is that going forward, there's going to be a graph. When you look at the review, Steam reviews for a game, you will be able to see a graph of when the reviews came in. Mm -hmm. So these people go to a game after the fact, carpet bomb into the reviews and lower the average or whatever. If you're a consumer going there, you'll be able to go there and see that, oh, well, this game's been out for nine months, but a month a ago, 10,000 people all showed up and gave it a zero. Well, in this case, 1,100. Right, yeah. It's, uh, it's, and it also shows like negative and it shows positive, and it's interesting to see on the graph for Firewatch, there's like that one day is like the, the huge negative, and the second day is a huge positive because people came back to, people who disagreed with them came back and carpet bombed it with positive. With positive, reviews. yeah. So now it's mixed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think in the grand scheme of things, it ultimately didn't really affect the score of the game all that much. But Matt, do you think this was the right call? I think maybe a better tactic would be a month or two months after a game is released, you just chop off user reviews. I don't think that works because games can be updated and change a lot. And like certainly there have been times during... Like, maybe it's six months. Or no, I think, I think it depends. How, I mean, during Steam sales, even for older games, there have been times when like I can say, oh, maybe I'll buy this. Uh, it was actually uh, one of the Lost Planet games. It was on sale, and I went. To, I mean, that's and that's like a what is that? Like a ten-year-old game at yeah. this point. And I look. I looked. I'm like, oh, but I check. I always look at the reviews just to see if anybody's screaming about anything in particular. And there's a bunch of negative reviews on it about like this doesn't work. Like the PC port is terrible. Don't buy this. and never get support. And like if those reviews hadn't still been there years later, I wouldn't have seen that, and I would have bought a shitty port. So I don't think cutting having a cutoff for that is the right way. I mean, this seems like a decent kind of solution. I don't know how you stop Look, we know Valve works. thought long and hard about this. Yeah. It does with every, every decision it I makes. Mean, it but it you... doesn't always make the right decision. Right, either. but this also, I mean, this gives you the information. You can do with that information what you need to do with it. Like, more information is better than less information. And I think cutting off reviews at a certain point is less information. That's that's accurate. Um, I mean, one thing I would say about... <laughs> well, <thank you. laughs> one thing I would say about Steam <laughs> is that if you look at the reviews on there, you very rarely see a game that has an overall negative score. Uh, usually it has to be broken. Yeah. Like if, I mean, generally, it's it. almost every game is classified as mostly positive reviews. Yeah. Although very positive or mostly positive. I don't always know which which of those is better. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, yeah, usually. Because also, like, I think, you know, it's, it, there's that kind of, you know, rule of thumb. Like, you know, every, for every negative response, assume 100 more people think that. For every positive response, assume 1,000 more people think right. that. Because you're less likely to... to Say Compliment something then complain about um, it. But yeah. I think people, I think on Steam there are a lot of positive reviews that people write just because people try to help games they like get more visibility. So sure. there's a little bit of that happening. But yeah. when, when you see something really super negative, there's two, there's two things that are super negative. Either the game is broken or the game deals in subject matter that people don't like. Right. And that can be anything. I've seen it for, you know, people's like, oh, this game promotes diversity and we hate that. <laughs> Or this game, uh, you know, this game is sexist and we don't like that. You know, right. like those are the, those are the the negative stuff tends to come from from, uh, from people who are viewing games culturally. Yeah, a, a cultural criticism or 
the game is doesn't work. It's broken. Physically doesn't work. And yeah. the and for me, all the review bullshit is worth it for me to be able to have those moments where I'm thinking about a game and you look down in the in the reviews and it's like this game doesn't work. Yeah. And it's like that's that's an important feat because the the the, the patch notes but and the game itself sure won't tell I you. I mean, would it, a game work and then six months later not work? Yeah, patches have broken things. Yeah, for but sure. don't they fix that though? Not always. Really? They, so didn't, they, they so didn't, Capcom didn't fix Lost Planet. Wow. Still didn't work. Wow. Well, if the sales were probably at so least, low uh, that it just felt like it wasn't worth it. Right. But like that still counts. Yeah. Like you for know, sure. and you never know; these indie indie companies could go out of business. You know, there's no reason to have a cutoff for when things like that can happen. Um, and this, you know, as long as you've got that thing up that tells you, you know, gives you a little more information about why there's this blitz of negative reviews. Do you think reviews. people are gonna look at these charts though? I mean, yeah, it's right there. Yeah. Like it's right there when you scroll down to where the purchase thing is. You have to see the chart to get to the reviews. I, I realize that, but I just think a lot of people are just going to brush it off and not even really pay attention to it. All right. Well, there's people who won't, and that's a valuable thing to them. Like, yeah. if you're going to be an idiot, it's not. What can you do? You can't help someone who doesn't want to well, be helped. Well, it's not necessarily people are being idiots. They may just not have time to sit there and pour over uh, user reviews on Steam. I mean, everyone has different amounts of available time. Right. To... Well, well, if you're going to make your ba- your basic decision on an aggregate that sits up there and just has one descriptor up there and never look beyond that, then if you're going to say, hey, this game has negative reviews, but not wonder what the negative reviews are, again, I can't help somebody who doesn't want to be helped. Like, that's that's a ridiculously shallow way of going about, you know, in, you know, taking feedback into account. Matt, what do you think about sort of the base issue here of people retaliating for things they don't like and carpet bombing review yeah, it's scores? stupid, but it, people do it all the time. It's not like, you know... I, I do mean, they do it all the time? Oh, yeah. On the internet, sure. Like, I mean, you ever, you ever I, I think that, that that might be something that... I don't think it's all that common. Oh, it's super common. Have you ever been on the internet? Like, Never. It, it, constantly. Never. What's it like? Constantly. <laughs> constantly, man. Like, I mean, you, I've seen it on, like, Deadspin... Uh, Articles on when they said a bad thing about the Patriots or something, just like you get carpet well, that's comments. But actually going to like a review site or a review aggregator site and taking oh, taking that effort to go there, oh, all the t- I mean that's half the problem at places like Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. Like that happened last year with Batman versus Superman when all the critics gave it negative reviews and people bl- fans blitzed. The, the user review thing and, and pump the score up to like 9 out of 10. But the critic reviews and user reviews are separate on yeah. those sites. Well, there's no critic reviews on Steam. I'm just making a comparison. Right. Like people will, people, if they feel like this thing they like have been, you know, has been uh, impugned, will often, you know, organize. They don't even necessarily organize. There's a lot of people have the same idea and they go do this thing. And it's like if you have a, a fan base as big as PewDiePie does, uh, inevitably, out of those what fifty some million people, a few thousand of them are going to do something like this. Yeah, I was surprised at how little feedback we got from PewDiePie fans from our episode last week on YouTube. Mm. I thought we would somebody would catch wind of it and it would get carpet bombed like well, Steam did. But... Well, they've got a lot to do right now, <laughs> so <laughs> we're kind of small, small fish yeah. in, in that regard. But still, you know, there's that hive mind. One oh, person yeah. sees it and then they go to whatever. Yeah, community I have. Ex- and... I have expected something like that, but it's like, yeah, I mean, they, they, there's there's so many, so many. Uh, so many things you can do in a week. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and they've been, you know, I'm sure they've been, you know, blitzing a bunch of other YouTubers who have disagreements with them and all that stuff. But, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a surprising thing, really, to me. And uh, what do they really think that they're accomplishing? 
Do you think they're really trying to keep people from buying the game, or do you think it's just their way to make a statement about it? There's a little bit of both. I mean, I read a lot of the, re the negative reviews. And, you did? Um, yeah, I, I looked through <laughs> it. And some are just like, you know, screw these guys for censoring whatever, which is not what censoring is yeah. in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but that's cool, but no one knows what that means anymore, apparently. Uh, but there were also reviews that were from the same day that, were, that, had, that didn't mention PewDiePie, didn't mention censorship, didn't mention the, the, the DMCA takedown. They were just like, you know, longish, you know, a few paragraphs, caps reviews about why they didn't like the game. Like, do you think and they were legitimate reviews? I think they were legitimate reasons to not like the game. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously it's a matter of opinion if you think the writing in the game sucks, which I don't think it does, but I mean, if you do, what, you, what am I going to tell you? Um, it's definitely a slow-paced game. If you're expecting so something different, then you're not going to get it. And the ending is a, a bit of a swerve in terms of kind of narrative expectations. So. Yeah. Uh, on one hand, I thought I thought that was really brilliant, a really brilliant way to close the game out. But I can see why someone who wasn't expect wanted something a little more conventional might come away from, from that being dissatisfied. And some of those negative reviews, while clearly they waited until this happened as the impetus to say, I'm finally going to put up a negative review about this. I found a couple of the negative reviews were actually pretty well reasoned. Right. Okay. Um, so a couple people clearly just disagree with. Uh, what the developer did in the the, the takedown, and they hadn't put and up their review and decided until... that that was the thing that prodded them to finally put up their negative opinion. And um, you know, maybe they were copy and pasting or, or using bullet points from some organization location or, or whatever. Or they could have just went to Metacritic, but found, some, yeah, found but negative somewhere, reviews and copied and pasted yeah, them from but there. But somewhere all the way back, somewhere someone had actual cogent negative thoughts about this game, and yeah. and they got translated. Look, it's not infallible that game. Right. I mean, it, it's certainly open to criticism. So, you but know, I'm just. Next time, maybe spread it out over a month yeah. or something, you know? <laughs> so it doesn't look so obvious. Um, it's like, you know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to say the game is flawless, and uh, there's not, there are people I would not recommend it to. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. But that doesn't make all this, you know, the blitzing thing useful. Yeah. Uh, it's also not, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, stuff's going to happen. You know, the, it's, it's only like 1,100 people, uh, at, least, at least that first day. Um, which is not a huge number of people. They're just loud. Well, also when you consider how many people, bought, you know, are subscribers to PewDiePie on YouTube, right. it's like less than like one. It's nothing. It's yeah. like one one millionth of a percent or something yeah, like, like that. Yeah, it's like dropping. It literally it, might be like one. It's one like dropping a penny on the street. It it's is. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe in the grand scheme it's of things, this a, isn't such a big problem. Right. But also just on that game. Also, that's you know, not a lot of people are writing reviews for Firewatch at this point. Yeah. You're on. It's not a tremendously, you know hugely trafficked game I wouldn't think certainly I haven't gone back to it in a while because you play it once and you're kind of done Yeah. unless you want to go back and get all the little collectible things um, so of course it raises a you know a visibility thing there because it's the most activity that's been on that store page for probably like eight months. I mean the irony here is that it could actually work out in the game's favor because it might bubble up through various databases so that people are exposed to the game again. Oh, even I, I actually went and found somebody on my on my friends list who had it wishlisted and bought it for them. Yeah. Because I already have it, so it didn't do me any good. You also wonder, too, if through this whole I felt the need, controversy... I felt the need to support them. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you may, you may wonder, like, through this whole controversy, if it actually might help them because some people... Maybe on the other side, and maybe taking a stand by saying, "Well, you know what? I'm going to buy this game now mm -hmm. and help these guys because they stood up for what they believed in, or whatever." So. If they were smart, they put it on sale. Right. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. If they put it like half price or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I bet. But, 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 yeah. I don't know what I was going to say there. That's all, folks. All right. On that note, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the Switch. First thing I want to say, though. 
uh, before we get into the actual topic we're going to discuss is I, I mentioned on the show a few weeks ago that my right jo- Joy-Con had died. Mm-hmm. So my left had already been replaced because I had a defective one right out of the gate. And then my right one just stopped connecting altogether. Mm-hmm. I got my... And I re- confirmed that. Yeah, and you confirmed it. It's not your Switch. It's, it's that Joy-Con. Matt, I already got my new Joy-Con. Oh, wow. And when did you give it back to me? Uh, Friday. Friday. Saturday. Saturday. No, Friday. When did we do the show? Friday? Yeah. Yeah, so Friday. Friday. And then I couldn't ship it out until Monday. So I took it to UPS on Monday. I got it back this morning. Wow. So major props. Is it the same one or is it a new one? It's a new one. Yeah, they just replaced it. So major props to Nintendo. And does it work? I haven't even tried it. Like I was was prepping for the show and it was a mad scramble because it's kind of like a last minute thing. So I didn't have enough time to check it out. I snapped it on so it could charge. Uh, But regardless, Nintendo, awesome customer service. Literally think about that. Sent out on Monday. I got it Wednesday morning, the new one. Yeah, they must have sent it as soon as they saw confirmation of shipment. I guess so. Like, I guess maybe they know that it's a known problem and they just assumed. Yeah, well, did they send you a, like a, a shipping label or anything to send it back? Or you just... Yeah, so they email it to you. So when you call yeah. Nintendo so, customer service, so they you, then send you an email. Right, so when you, man, when you send it to sh- drop it off, they process it and they and they know it's notification coming. is coming, so they shipped out your replacement. That could very well be. Yeah, I think, so. I think that's good customer service. It's excellent customer service. Like, amazing like amazon level customer service so very happy with that but now we preface we try to butter it up a little bit (laughs) before we uh, dig into some of the problems with switch and uh one that's becoming more and more apparent by literally the day is the storage issues on the switch Mm. um we so first it started coming out like oh there may be some features of nba 2k and fifa that you can't play just using the cart right that you're going to need a micro SD card to get all those features. And then to me, kind of the deal breaker this week was finding out that some features of Super Mario Odyssey are going to be cut as well, unless you have a micro SD card. And it does not come with the card, right? You have to buy that set. Oh, yeah, you have to buy the card. I, don't, I, know, I, think I, ha- I think I have one. Do I have one? I can't remember if I bought one. I don't I think know. I, I think I do. I, I, think I, I can't do. read your mind or look at your bank account, but... Yeah. Uh, but Matt, how big of a problem is this? Like, well, I mean, it's it's it's. I think shitty. Doom as well. Doom's another yeah, game. Doom's entire multiplayer is not on the cartridge. You have to download it. The mm. other problem too is that NBA 2K18 takes up like 60% of the onboard Switch storage. Mm-hmm. So chances are, if you have a couple games on your Switch, your hard drive's already full. Yeah. So unless you want to delete those off and then re-download them later. What was Nintendo thinking with this, Matt? I... They're trying to keep costs down. That's all. But flash memory has become so cheap. These aren't so cheap, really, but uh, at least... Well, because they're the size. micro SD yeah. cards. Yeah, I um, mean, a normal flash drive with that much space is, I mean, is way be- cheaper. It's better than the Vita, uh, which was trying to sell you proprietary, proprietary. crap for obscene amounts of money. Which, by the way, still costs that I much. Know, I know, I know. It's still 60-some bucks for even the, the, the medium-sized ones. I know. Um, which I think was part of the, the the downfall of that system. But that's what makes it more puzzling to me, is Nintendo doesn't have any skin in the game to make money off of these cards. Mm-hmm. It, I just don't get it. I have no idea. I mean, that was one of the biggest complaints about the Wii U, a 30-gig hard drive. Yep. When your competitors have a terabyte, or two terabytes. And now they're, Nintendo's saying, oh, well, now you need to buy this micro SD card to get all the features of a game. I mean, think about how many people now are going to go buy a micro SD card for Super Mario Odyssey. Mm. It's the 
arguably the biggest, or at least the second biggest game Maybe for me. Switch. I, don't, I mean, you're I don't right. Even I'm going to have to go buy one. Yeah. I am going to have to go buy one. I have one for my GoPro, but it's like I don't want to keep popping cards right. in and out of like my GoPro well, and put have, it in. Well, and you have to reformat probably. Uh, like for the 3DS, like I do use like the same SD card on in my 3DS that I use in other things, and it will work without being mm. formatted. So I can plug it into my 3DS, and it'll read everything on there, and then I can use it in my camera or whatever else, and it's okay. Well, that's handy at least. Yeah. So, but still, it's like you don't want to keep switching your cards back no. and forth. I just don't get it. I, Nintendo should have seen all this coming. It should have known. And I'm surprised we didn't have this problem with Zelda. Yeah, well, I'm sure that they made sure there was enough onboard memory for Zelda. Because you got you to gotta launch with, with a good impression in that regard. Yeah. But I, that's why I can't remember if I have one, because I don't know if I've needed one yet. Because um, I only have Zelda and Mario Rabbids. Those are the only uh, two games I own. So I haven't had... Storage has not been an issue for me yet. I had to delete stuff to, uh, to download Rabbids. Finally, mm-hmm. mine is a is a cartridge, so I don't know if uh, it downloaded anything. I'm sure it still installed some things. Yeah. Um, so storage hasn't been an issue for me, but that's mainly because I've only bought two games. Right. Yeah. Um, at some point, I you know, so by the end of the year, I will probably have at least three. Well, yeah, I'll have three at least because I'll have Mario. Um, the other problem. And Xenoblade. So yeah. T- I bet Xenoblade will. It'll have probably something. take up the whole damn thing. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is that. Maybe it's not such a big issue now, because a lot of Switch owners probably have one or two games at this point. Their memory mm-hmm. maybe isn't full. But you start looking at the third-party stuff, which oh, surprisingly yeah. is starting to come now, which I'm sh- kind of shocked by. But you have Wolfenstein 2 and Doom coming to Switch. These third parties are used to publishing games on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make special considerations for Switch versions of their games and say, oh, we don't want to make our users buy a, a micro SD card. I'm doubly interested because, on, at least on PC and I think PS4, Doom is a gigantic install. It is a big download, yeah. I think the last time I... When I deleted it off of my hard drive on PS4, I think it was up to like 40-some gigs. Yeah, on my PC, I think it's it's like 80. Yeah. It's like, I mean, well, the textures, the textures are yeah. huge and all. It's going to not be like that on the Switch. But yeah. like, no, it'll be, a, it'll be a, an ongoing struggle. I mean, look, I put a 2-terabyte hard drive in my PS4, and it's almost full. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, I know. mean, my, yeah, my hard drive on my PS4, I'm always taking stuff off to add something. Mm. And it's huge compared to Switch. Do you think Nintendo will finally relent and at some point release a version of Switch that has a bigger hard drive on it? Uh, probably not. Like, I, don't, I mean, it depends, it depends what the permutations cost. would be. I mean, like, I, 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 could get... see it, I could see it if they release a Switch that is just console. Yeah. You know, if they did like a, like a handheld-only one and a console-centric one and the console one has a lot of memory and doesn't really go anywhere and the, the handheld one doesn't, I yeah. guess. Um, I don't know. It seems it it is short sighted, and it's like clearly there's supposed to be you know uh, uh, portability. Also, you know, would seem to indicate you would want stuff to be pre-installed as much as you could, as opposed right. to having to drag cartridges around with you. And I mean, obviously they're very small, but that's also kind of an argument against them because you could lose them. Right. Then again, they also want to sell you cases. So yeah. Who knows? Um, but it, in in terms of and you know they knew had to know storage can become become a problem given like what they're trying to put on this thing yeah versus the storage space that's on those cartridges uh, or the cards I guess they are now um, so I don't know I mean I guess uh, I think in the end they're thinking they want to sell this thing for three hundred bucks and that's the end of it 
I think Nintendo will eventually release a Switch with more storage. Like the Wii U. If they can get the cost of manufacturing the Switch down enough, I could see that. But you'd probably keep, be keeping the price the same. Exactly. I think that's what'll happen. They'll keep the price the same. It'll come out a year from now, but it'll have more hard drive space. Yeah. And that's where and they're so, saying and something will come and, and pre-installed on. Like Zelda Maybe. will become pre-installed on. Maybe. But it's like, you know, I don't think it's fair to compare what Nintendo did with the Wii U to what it is going to do with Switch. Because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, the Wii U was a failure pretty much right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. It was The writing was on the wall almost immediately. Nintendo knew it. So it didn't shock me all that much that Nintendo didn't create like a, a DX version of the Wii U or buff out the, the storage on it. It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the most the clear-cut uh, sign of the Wii U was not going anywhere was that they never uh, revamped the, contr- the gamepad right. at all. Yeah. Like, I think we would have gotten new versions or new iterations of that hardware design if if the Wii U had been successful. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so and it was the, a and it needed it. Yeah. Too. Because generally what you do when you try to predict the future, which obviously we're not psychic, um, you try to look at past data, what happened in the past, and then try to mm-hmm. formulate your hypothesis based upon that. But in this case, I don't think the old data is really a good model to use. No to project what's going to happen with Switch. No, I, I, it's not. I mean, also, like, I don't even know if the Wii U got a second revision, really. No, it never did. It was basically no. just, they, I think they're just, they still <laughs> working through their first production Batch. run, yeah. basically. Yeah, it did not go well, um, so. Whereas the Switch, they're going to have, you know, same, same reason we got all those candy-colored N64s, is they had to keep making tons of them. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, for us, it sucks that we have to buy a micro SD card to play mm-hmm. to get all the features of these games. I don't think anyone's going to argue with yeah, that. But I mean, we've bought the I bigger mean, concern. I think is the casual folks though yeah. who are going to buy these games and be like, "Wait a minute, why can't I play this mode in NBA 2K18?" Mm. I mean, people bought memory cards for many years. PlayStation Two sold. It's been a long time. Hundred some million dollars, hundred some million units with the stupid little memory cards. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time, though. It's a whole new generation of people who never have ever used memory cards. I guess. I mean, Xbox 360 was probably the last console that even kind of used them. Yeah. I mean, look, if if the if the Switch's biggest problem ends up being I have too many games to fit on my tiny memory card, like, that's a pretty good problem to have, uh, you know, all, th- all things considered compared to their last system. Really, though? When you're only talking about that limited amount of storage on the console? I don't think it's going to be I mean, that's that one game for PS4 or Xbox One. You can buy a big SD cards. Yeah, I'm saying like the onboard memory. Well, no what one's comes gonna, installed. No one's going to sit with the onboard memory. If you're going to really build a library of these things, you're going to need a bigger. I mean, you're going to need a bigger hard drive for just about any of these consoles. That's so why, doesn't that mean that the real cost now of Switch is like three fifty? More. I mean, well, okay, more like four hundred because you probably going to buy Zelda. Right. So, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean. I don't, I mean, to have a fully functioning system, I mean, that's really what it is now. Well, it depends. I mean, I don't think you need to buy uh, that card immediately, or you didn't at launch. Maybe, And I don't know what the deal is with Odyssey. If it's like, if you don't have a card at all, those features won't work. It won't work with the internal memory at all, because the internal memory is not robust enough. Is that the Yeah, I don't think it does. Deal? I don't think, the, I think those features just don't work. Mm. They're just disabled, unless you have... What the are they? Like the photo mode? The photo something? mode is part of it... I don't know what the other look as long as they're is. not locking one of the worlds out. Right, right. You know, I'm. It's, it's they're luxury items, I guess. It just seems very un-Nintendo to me. Well, I think Nintendo's finding their feet in this brave new world of functioning online chat and. It had its. Ch- it's, a, it's had more than ample opportunity. It's had 15 years, <laughs> but like it's you know Nintendo moves how, how Nintendo Mysterious moves. Mysterious ways, yeah. 
Yeah, baffling ways yep. sometimes. So we'll see. I mean, I do think that in the end, I think there will people, be a new version. Of I think Switch people want Switch. a Mario game more than they want to save thirty bucks on a memory card, and yeah. more than they want to take photos of said Mario game. Yeah, I mean, well, look, if you're gonna, the man's gonna, you're take, gonna cut something. The that's man's probably... gonna take his shirt off. You're gonna have to pay a premium. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's Mar- move on. Mario don't go with full Monty for free. <laughs> All right, next we're going to talk about a game... It's been a long time waxing his chest. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of talking about a system that was doomed from the start, we're going to talk about a game now that was doomed from the start. That game is and Battleborn. boy was it. And boy was it. Uh, it was announced this week that Battleborn, once its latest update, goes live. That's it. Gearbox is chopping it off. So it lasted, what was that, like Pretty much a year, year, year exactly. A yeah, I think it's for pretty much a year. Didn't it come out before... Uh... Overwatch? It came out almost exactly at the same time as Overwatch. Yeah, so their next update is their last one. Right. So so that's like a year and a half. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, Wow. Yeah, well. (laughs) I mean, you got to know when to hold them and when to fold them. (laughs) Know when to walk away. (laughs) Know when to run. (laughs) And uh, that last part is probably what you should do from from Battleborn if you're... Well, I think people did already, and that's the problem. Although not as much as people ran from lawbreakers yeah um that boggles my mind yeah that, it's still that more people perplexed. are playing battleborn than are playing lawbreakers that is pretty crazy when there's a game like overwatch on the market that is more closely mm-hmm. resembles battleborn than it does lawbreakers yeah i mean battleborn is is more of a straight moba from a different perspective as opposed to overwatch was a character shit. you know they're compared because they have a they have an art style that sort of invites it but when you play the two of them, I don't think uh, there's a ton of overlap in terms of like kind of you know meta. Um, also, I can't remember anybody in Battleborn except the guy with the tiny head. I don't remember their names. I remember some of the character designs only because they were really ugly and weird. Right. Not because I liked them, but like the, the mushroom look. guy. Like I remember him. Oh yeah, I guess <laughs> I do remember the mushroom guy. I guess I, I should look at the. Uh, the footage here. See if I yeah, I remember the tiny head guy. <laughs> Big body, tiny head guy. Yeah. I mean, the character designs, it's a character-driven game. All MOBAs are. Character designs in this are better than Lawbreakers, but not much. Not by much. Yeah, I mean, I can at least remember tiny head guy, whereas <laughs> in, uh, in Lawbreakers, there's the guy who looks like he's from Unreal Tournament, and the girl who looks like she's from Unreal Tournament, and the other guy who looks like he's from Unreal but Tournament. But he's got a bandana. Yes. <laughs> And the one guy who looks like he's from Unreal Tournament, but he has no sleeves? Yeah. I don't know if there's yeah, an actual yeah. character. That guy, no yeah. I don't know if that's a real character, but I bet he is. I bet he is, for sure. <laughs> Matt, why do you think... Because, uh, look, here's what I, one thing I would say about MOBAs. Pretty much all MOBAs need to be free-to-play. Mm-hmm. Because the leader in the space is free-to-play. Right. And look, at a certain it, point, Battleborn practically was. It is. It kind of is already. And yeah. that's what my question is getting at, is why... Do you think free-to-play did not work for this game? And do you think it's going to work for Lawbreakers? Because eventually we all know mm-hmm. right. Lawbreakers is going to go free-to-play. Um, I think it didn't work for Battleborn because no one, nec- you know, most people I don't think want to play that genre from that perspective. Yeah. Because the, the, the overarching strategy of the MOBA is way more interesting when you can see the damn battlefield. No, you're right. That is a big problem. And yeah. I'm not even a MOBA player, and even I know that. Yeah. And I, but I, and I didn't make a video game that defied those kind of those. <laughs> I mean, I guess somebody had to try it, right? Yeah. But it, you know, and it didn't have any kind of overarching thing that could kind of create that strategy. Um, like something like I used. I remember when this game launched, I, I mentioned uh, Savage. 
Yeah. Which they actually did do a remastered version that no one gave a shit about, and then they abandoned it for so hopefully nobody paid twenty bucks for that. But uh, it was Savage was an old uh, like two thousand two three in there, and it was basically like. You ran around as a character in a 3D world and stuff, but uh, it was an RTS, essentially. It predated MOBAs, so they couldn't do that yet. But yeah. it was close. It was, so, the, one of the, one, so one player on the team was the commander. And you, that player saw like a top-down map of everything, could see what was happening, and could click and direct the other players who were in the map to you know do this or do that and so like if you were in the map you'd see like a big tower of light or whatever that said like go here and do this or whatever and you didn't have to do it so it was kind of annoying if you're, if you're the commander and nobody was following your commands uh you might lose just because no one was paying attention to you right but it was an interesting way to kind of get the strategy of the rts in uh a game where you played on a more ground level a ground level soldier idea um and without that meta, and I think Battlefield tried something similar with that kind of second screen Battlefield Commander like app thing. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. Um, where you call in and strikes and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, Battleborn, and again, that didn't help those other games gain any traction, so it probably wouldn't have helped Battleborn. How but do you. Battleborn doesn't even have that going for it. Here, here's the thing for me that kind of throws a wrench into that, that way of thinking is Paladins. So, Paladins, free to play. First-person MOBA-ish shooter, a lot like Overwatch. It is doing great. It has like six million players that are playing it right now. Mm -hmm. Do you think, Matt, that more it's more of an issue of it's it's really difficult to change the messaging after you've launched? That could be because it's like once first, you first impressions count for a lot in games in everything in everything, but especially look at No Man's Sky. Look how hard it's been. To for it to recover, to give, to give yeah. that another chance, and people dab giving that another chance, yeah. I think, for a, in a lar in large de degree. The, the reviews of on Steam, to go back to that, the gone reviews up. on Steam have definitely gone up and become a more positive thing, um, which is kind of nice to see that people will look, go at, back. look at something again. Yeah. But I don't think well, one look at it again, yeah. two, and then go back and reward it yeah. for being improved. But I don't think um, Battleborn ever basically rectified itself in, in, in by you know the the changes to no man's sky have been pretty drastic and uh battleborn just, just changed its revenue model yeah changed the revenue model and just sort of kept on keeping on and uh i think i never bought too. it except i got it in a humble bundle at one point and like for nothing for it was like in the five dollar tier or something a yeah. couple months after it came out i'm like oh i guess i could play that and i never did yeah i'm actually i have it installed i've never opened it the other the other problem too is that that marketing budget for that game is all front-loaded. So when the game comes out, right. the publisher blows its load on marketing right out of the gate. It doesn't budget a ton of money to then go out and market and say, hey, now you can play this for free. It basically mm -hmm. counts on us, other publications, YouTube, to spread the word that something is free to play. It, it relies on social media for fans to spread the word. Um, so a lot of people who maybe wrote this game off initially saying, oh, you know, it's, it seems like a risky game to buy at full price right at launch. A lot of those people have no idea that this game eventually became yeah. free to play. Also, like, I mean, I only played, uh, like, the, the beta or the demo or whatever that happened right before it came out. Yeah. Um, but I just didn't feel, feel like it felt good to play. Yeah, uh, it, I don't know. it felt I, weird and clunky, and, and the hits had very little impact, and there was no meat on it. And... I mean, my biggest issue, and I am someone who plays MOBAs. I play a lot of League. I've played a ton of Dota. I've played some Heroes of the Storm. 
I think you hit the nail on the head right out of the gate when you said that it's the perspective that you play mm. from. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize with MOBAs is they're essentially like a, a permutation of RTS games. Mm -hmm. It's a more active RTS game with multiple people playing together. And you're absolutely right. You need to see the lay of the land at all times. Like, just seeing if someone's coming to gank you. When you're playing from a first-person perspective or a tight third-person perspective, you cannot see what people in other lanes are doing. And if people are grouping together and starting to come all down to the bot lane to gank you or whatever, it just, it, one, it loses an element of the game that I think is really enjoyable from MOBAs, and two, it makes it more difficult to play well. So I think you, you were right the first time. I think really it's the perspective of the game that really made the big difference. I mean, and look, there are other, Smite is very similar to Battleborn, and it mm -hmm. seems to be doing fine. Um, I haven't enjoyed Smite, though, for the very same reasons I didn't really like Battleborn. So... Yeah, and I also think there's, you know, there's there's sort of the the standard uh, issue, like, you know, there's resentment in the gaming community against uh, Gearbox. There is. There is um, a deep underlying for, anger. For some some pretty good reasons. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, aliens, But you know what? They're going to all forgive when uh, Borderlands 3 comes out. When Borderlands 3 comes out, it's all not going to matter anymore. Nope. <laughs> they won't care anymore. But um, until then. Which... Honestly, if you look at if you're looking for a silver lining, if anyone even cares that this game is going away, if you're looking for a silver lining in all this, it's that Gearbox has said all the people who are, or maybe this isn't good, all the people who are working on Battleborn are now moving over to Borderlands mm -hmm. Three to ramp up production. So, right. do you want people from Battleborn working? On well, as long as they don't turn Battleborn into an into a right. MOBA. I'm, I'm joking, but, but. like. Uh... I think um, I'm I'm very curious what what Borderlands Three will look like in today's world. Seriously, because in this world of games as a service, games as a platform, pay money for loot boxes. It seems like you could ruin that game real easy. The other by, concern by going too far over that line. The other concern is one of the major sort of complaints about NBA 2K18 is how it's handling mm -hmm. microtransactions. Mm -hmm. So 2K starting to get a little dirty with how it's starting to do this stuff. And I don't know if I trust Gearbox to push back no, on, exactly. on the dirty. If you, <laughs> I don't if think you, anybody you know I mean. does. So, so uh, and the other thing I, I thought was interesting, I think a couple a couple events or something ago, I read something where Randy Pitchford, the head of Gearbox, said that the art style of Borderlands limited their audience, which makes me wonder if they're going to change the art style of something. Limited their audience? The game was a huge hit. He said, What's he talking about? He said something about, like, I can't remember the actual words, and if I misread it, I'm sure. What do you think it needs to be like realistic? But and basically, gritty? He's, he, the implication seemed to be that like because it was cartoony, some people would never give it a chance, which is a weird thing to say about a game that I think sold real damn well. What about Overwatch? Right. <laughs> Only thirty or forty million. So people I'm wondering. I'm curious if they'll keep the art style. I hope they do because I like the art style of Borderlands. <sighs> but. I don't know. I was kind of split on it. I wasn't a huge fan. It makes it, it looks different. It looks it like does. it looks I like mean, Borderlands. I mean, you know it as soon as you see it yeah. what the game is. I'll give you it that much. But I wasn't a big fan of it. Like I would not. I mean, to be fair, I know Battleborn when I see it too because I'm just like, what the hell is oh, yeah. it's Battleborn? That goofy character. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you're right. It will be interesting to see kind of everything Gearbox has been up to over the last. Watch them just three take all the, all the Battleborn characters and make them the new classes. <laughs> that would be a huge mistake. I don't think even they're that dumb. So you'd hope. I think we'll be seeing uh, the new uh, 
Gearbox game before the end of the year, maybe at uh, the Game Awards or uh, probably an outside chance at the Game Awards because I feel like after what happens with Battleborn here, you, if you're Gearbox, I feel like you probably want to like get back on your on your on your track. So we still have know? that. We still have Paris Games Week. We still have PlayStation, PlayStation experience, experience in Anaheim. There's three more chances. It for... wouldn't surprise me if we saw some kind of te- like a quick teaser. Of, you know, just a skag getting run over by something. You know, and the reason I bring that up... They all open. And the reason I bring that up is because I wanted to segue into the next topic, which ah. is Tokyo Game Show, which is was also, actually still is, one of the last remaining big game shows uh, for 2017. So to kick things off early, as it always does, it had its press conference starting at midnight, Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Um... And essentially, like, it always does this. It has this press conference, and the show doesn't actually start for, like, another, like, four days. A couple days, yeah. Uh, I always viewed that as, like, both a blessing and a curse when I went to cover TGS. Yeah. Because... It meant we had to be there way earlier. Right. But also meant we had to be there a lot longer. Right. Yeah. And uh, so you would get there on, like, Saturday or whatever. Then you go do Sony's press conference, and you'd have, like, that buffer three days where you do pre-production and get ready for your shoots and everything, but also it gives you some time to go see Tokyo a little bit. Um, so we're kind of in that middle area right now waiting for TGS to kick off. Uh, but Sony had its, its, I wouldn't even call it a big press conference. Uh, it was, it was big in terms of presentation. Presentation, budget, the time they spent on it. I mean, they wrote songs for this. Yes. (laughs) They made like two or three music videos for this press conference. Do you think maybe the the focus was a little misplaced though, ultimately in the content that was shown in the press conference? I mean, it seemed about right for the audience. Uh, really? Well, I mean, it's it's Tokyo Games. It's for Japan. Yeah, I get that. I but mean, it, they spent three minutes on a freaking visual novel dating game. I mean, a big trailer. I'm just like, okay. I mean, this, this, that sells there. It, but if you look at the, the Japanese market right now, Sony is getting its butt kicked by Nintendo. Week mm-hmm. after week after week after week. Switch is doubling the sales of PS4 right now. And granted, PS4 had a big lead. But if you look at... The sales of Switch, based upon when it started up to its first six months or whatever, it's yeah. destroying PlayStation 4. Nintendo rules that country. It doesn't, though. It's only ruled it only, it's only ruled with handhelds before, and Switch is... Now Switch is a handheld. And yeah. also, look I mean, look at the Super, the Super Famicom Classic pre-orders started this week. There are 800 people in line at one store in Tokyo. Yeah. I mean, Nintendo, the, the Nintendo nostalgia is strong wherever you go, but in Japan, I think it's it's extra strong. For his handheld. I mean, his consoles have not done well for a long, long time. Oh, Super time. Famicom was well, yeah. back when they did, last time they did well. That's, so that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I think, you know, the, the, the you know, in, in Nintendo, the Switch is, I think, not unfair to see it as a return to form in a lot of ways, especially considering we're getting a Zelda and a Mario in one year. Yeah. And, uh, you know... Like, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, Sony's got what to offer in, in exchange. Nothing. It just seems like Sony had the opportunity to show a lot better games or even debut some games, and it like chose what? not to. Code Vein? I don't think that's going to be a game changer by any means. Well, I think the problem is, is that Sony chose to focus on games that were exclusives only to right. PlayStation platforms. It didn't want to include any multi-platform games, although right. there were a couple that are also coming to PC. I mean, if they really wanted to make a splash, they should have shown From's new game, whatever yeah. that is. But may, apparently it's not ready. It's not. Yeah, it's never going to be ready. Yeah. So you, uh, maybe the Game Awards? Probably maybe. there's no way. I don't think they do. I know a lot of people are hoping for Bloodborne 2 or something along Bloodborne those lines. Bloodborne 2 doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't believe it does either. But uh, that, a lot of people were hoping for that. I saw a lot of comments yeah, well, on Well, apparently people were hoping for Sonic Adventure 3, too. But yeah. I don't know what the <laughs> hell you're talking... I mean, really? Which, also, which is not happening. Thank God. Uh, so we're going to... As long gonna... as I'm at it, we're Streets of Rage 4. Like, what is... <laughs> 
So we're going to run through what they did show. And I think once we start going down through these, and you'll see some of the games that we have to talk about because we're trying to have a show here, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. That it really, it could have done a lot better. Probably the biggest game that was announced, and it was out leaked earlier in the day, or actually the day before, Final Fantasy IX for the PlayStation mm -hmm. 4. I, I wouldn't consider that the biggest game, but for me. Well, we'll, we'll keep trucking and you can tell me what you think ultimately is. Final Fantasy IX for PlayStation 4, it's already kind of made the rounds. It's been released for Android and PC. By all accounts, this mm -hmm. looks to be the PC version released. Yeah, I think it's the, it is definitely the PC version. Because it came out and people played it in its PC version. It does still have this the weird bug, music bug that Final Fantasy VII does on the PS4, which is also the PC version ported over. And the PC versions of these games do not have this bug. Which is that when you get in a random battle, and you come out of it, the music track for the area you're in restarts. So you basically have to hear the first few bars of the music over and over and over and over again. Which is not how the original was, it's not how the PC version is. Nobody knows why they won't fix it. Apparently the, the, the supposed fix for it is to just turn random battles off. Because that is an option in these, in these versions of the games. Uh, Final Fantasy X on PS4 also had this, this bug, but they fixed it. And nobody knows why they fixed it on that, but didn't fix it on 7. So that's weird. That is weird. Uh, especially because music is such a huge component of why people like these games. Yeah. Um, but So that's a warning if you were thinking about buying this. Uh, if, that's a, if that's a thing to you, uh, be advised. One thing I would say is that this Final Fantasy is one of the last ones I wholeheartedly loved. I, wouldn't, I didn't love it, but I liked it. It's the best, best Final Fantasy on PS1, I would say. Um, that's the bold statement. I don't think it is at all because I think seven and eight are garbage. So. <laughs> um, I like elements of seven and eight, yeah. uh, but nine is the only one I, I would say I really liked and would play again. This is the the, the last one I really kind of fell head over heels for in the fran in the mm -hmm. lineage of the franchise. Well, I like this one because it was a bit of a throwback to the Super Nintendo right. ones, with the crystals are back and yep. the job classes kind of and yep. all that stuff. And it's got a pretty good story until it forgets it. Um, somewhere around the somewhere yeah, they're around so the, awkward. Somewhere around the third disc, because <laughs> Vivi, the Black Mage character here, yeah. is has the most interesting character arc of any Final Fantasy character to this point in the series. Yeah, and around the third disc, they just sort of stop talking about it. Yeah. and also Steiner, the knight guy, <laughs> yeah, who's like the guardian, like he just stops having dialogue. No, like, you're like, there's, all there's just, a lot of weird. The story just goes it, away, yeah. and then they fight the last guy and beat him, and then they're like, "Hey, why don't we go kill Death?" And they do, and that's the last disc. They go kill. They do that. It has nothing to do with anything. It's so damn weird. It is weird how it wraps up. And but I big, enjoyed pretty much the entire lead up to that. Well, the gameplay is good. That's the thing is the the gameplay is interesting and, and good, and it brings back a lot of classic Final Fantasy stuff that it was uh, in terms of like game systems that were not there in uh, the Materia and the Junction systems in seven and eight. Yep. And that was nice. And music solid as it always. I mean, you know, look, I think I think Final Fantasy seven has amazing an amazing composition, and then they ruined it with all the screeching MIDI. Yeah. Uh, in the actual game. But this Which game, they didn't have to. They include. didn't have to do. I mean, no, eight was, <laughs> no eight was great. Why. I mean, and, and this this is a this is a really solid soundtrack. This is some really solid character design. Uh, it was nice in the era of post uh, Final Fantasy VII cloud nonsense to get a main character who really enjoyed the adventure mm -hmm. because there was sort of this trend after Cloud and Squall to have sort of this thing where it's like everyone was mopey and weird and didn't want to do what we what were all here doing. to do. Yeah, yeah. And like you know, Jadon is sort of like. 
thinks it's awesome. Yeah. And he's like, he's a crazy monkey boy. He wants yeah. to go do shit. <laughs> and, it's like, and I, I enjoyed that. It was like, you know, people were excited Refreshing. to be yeah. on an adventure again. It's yeah. like, you know, it, it usually you had to get find like Skies of Arcadia to feel that, you know, in the in, no, the, right. in the wake of Final Fantasy VII's influence. Yeah, you're so right. So I'm. I didn't I haven't bought this yet. But it is I, out. That's the crazy thing. They announce it. Yeah, and then it's it, just boom. There it's it is. It's like, here's the debut trailer and the launch trailer. And go once. buy it right now. Yeah. For a discount, even. Yeah. Is it coming? I think it's kind of only digital now. Does it come out on disc later? I'd be surprised if it came out on disc. Yeah. It's really not, because it's not, a, it's not like Final Fantasy X where it was a full kind of remaster right. remake thing. It's just like, here's a port of the PC version. Yeah. So I highly recommend it. I don't know how... Some of you guys may have got into gaming a little later. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't played it, you should play it, but uh, I, I would argue that if you have a PC capable of running it, and almost everybody does, you should get it on Steam uh, because the music bug isn't in it. You may get it cheaper on Steam, too. You pro- if you wait around for the next sale, you probably get it for about five bucks on yep. Steam as well. Uh, next game. This may... I have a hankering. This might be the game that you're talking about you're more excited about. Uh, Zone of the Ender's second runner is being remastered and mm. going to be playable in VR. This, to me, is the biggest news of this I kind of figured it's, it was either this or, or um, Final Fantasy IX. In part because it's like, wow, Konami did something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also in part because uh, this game's great. Um... It's way better than the first. It Zone is of the way Enders. better, yeah. I think uh, a problem with Zone of the Enders or Zoe, as it, as it's called, is that the first game was it wasn't bad. It just wasn't good, and I think yeah. a lot of people. Well, we bought it to play the Metal Gear Solid Two demo. Right. Let's be honest. I mean, no, that's why. No doubt about it. And it was like, and we got a decent little game in addition to this yeah. demo we wanted to play. Yeah. But this game is amazing. This game is what the first one. And this, this happens all the time with franchises. Yeah. The second one ends up being the one that you kind of wanted in the first place. We talked about that with Destiny last week. Um, but this one, and nobody gave it a chance. Yeah. Because people were so turned off by the first Zoe that they were just like, there was no. no. There was no reason to assume it would be any different. Yeah. But it really is. It, it is really good. Yeah, and it's playable in VR, coming to PS, both PSVR and uh, headsets for PC. Mm-hmm. At first I thought it was a PS4 exclusive. It's not. It is also coming to PC. And yeah, hey, Konami's making another real game. Yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> at least it didn't forget it made games at one point yeah and now it's bringing it over this is hey. also the first kojima game yeah that konami cool. is doing something with without him which is a little odd makes you wonder what's in there what do you mean yeah you know, so maybe they'll just rewrite a couple lines just to piss him all off. right yeah. oh yeah they could totally troll him with this game i mean i'm sure kojima right now is like freaking out wondering what they're going to do with it but it's it's konami's property it can do whatever it wants with it so uh yeah i mean this was probably for otaku like us people who are hardcore into games this was probably the most exciting announcement from mm-hmm. but put that into perspective matt this is <laughs> if this is the biggest announcement at a, at a sony press conference yeah, it's I mean, not a good press conference. Yeah, I didn't say it was a good press conference. I mean, I'm guessing a lot of people who maybe got into games in the last ten or whatever years probably don't even know what Zone of the Enders is. Uh, well, I mean, it's not like it sold a lot of copies. It's not like they made a lot of copies. And so it's, it's not talked weird. about a lot. It's like a classic that's brought up in a lot of lists. Or I mean, you no, this Kojima retrospective. This is one of those niche it. PS2 games that the people who love it love it. The people who don't love it never heard of it. You know, like Blood Will Tell or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. I remember when this game came out and I was working at GameSpot and it, they sent it we had like we got like three copies or whatever and it was very interesting to walk around the office and watch each different person play it because and I'm not going to name names but we had one person who was a huge Kojima fan just whatever Kojima did he loved mm. we had another person who was just like an action game guy who was actually going to be the one that did the reviews 
And then we had, I think Ryan Davis was one of the people playing. Like, watching the opinions of the different people as they played it was fascinating. You had the Kojima person who was like, oh my god, this is the most awesome game I've ever played. You had the guy who was going to review the game who sat there completely befuddled and said, this is awkward and weird. I can't even really play it right. And then Ryan Davis just sat and cracked jokes the whole time. So it mm. was like this weird smorgasbord of people with all different opinions uh, on the game. And I think ultimately the, the opinions are pretty divisive on Zoe in general. I think it, that kind of that initial litmus test that happened at GameSpot ended up being extrapolated out across the entire mm. industry with that game. Uh, the reviews were kind of all over the place. Um, but what, what do you think about the VR part of it? Do you think that's going to be I think significant? You, I think you shouldn't even... I think it's going to be significant. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think you should even try it. This game is so fast. Like, yeah, I don't even... Is it going to be, like, third person, or are you actually in the mech? Well, it looks like you're in the mech. Yeah, but... <laughs> and then you've got a little, little you know, yeah, hologram of your, of your mech your to show you what you're doing. There. Yeah. Um... I don't know how that's going to work. I'm, <laughs> of all the of all the ga- like the remasters that I would expect to have had VR integration, this was not one of them. Yeah. Uh, that I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I mean, I'm into it. Uh, this will be the real test for for whether anything can make me nauseous in VR. Probably. I mean, they went back and they're retexturing the whole game. Yeah, 4K. That's supposedly. crazy. Whatever 4K means in yeah. this scenario. But, uh, I mean, look. Look, I don't even care about For once, I can say something good about Konami. Like, it's actually like putting in the extra effort to make this thing okay. Yeah, I don't know what Sterling's gonna do with this one. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Konami. <I like> it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what am I supposed to say now? <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about. It. I wonder though if the average player in 2017 really gives a crap. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I do. Yeah. But one could argue you're not the I'm average not the player. Average player. Yeah, you're definitely not. Uh, next, I think this may have been actually, for me personally, the most exciting thing that was announced, uh, Left Alive, which is a game being published by Square Enix. It's being developed by, uh, former Metal Gear developers. The lead artist on Metal Gear is working Mm -hmm. on this. Some of the art that was released for this game already is, it looks like Metal Gear art. It's like that crazy, wispy, like, art style that you've seen, uh, on a lot of Metal Gear promotions before. It's also being developed by someone who worked on the Frontline games before. Um, so it, it appears to be under development by an all-star cast, so to speak. It is a... Descriptions are kind of vague at this point. It's a post-apocalyptic action game. Uh, and that's pretty much all that they've, oh, they've how said original. So far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like every other game that comes out right now. Um, but it does look like it has a pretty decent budget. Certainly the pedigree is there with the developers. Um, f- near future, it appears. Yeah, mechs. And the mechs, yeah. Definitely, definitely the most mechs per press co- in a press conference this year, I That's, think. I mean, you would expect that from Sony's TGS press conference, though. We're going to talk about some of those mechs a little later. Yeah. Um, the fact that Square Enix is behind it gives me a little bit more hope in it. Because uh, I think Square Enix has been on a pretty good tear here as far as the quality of its games. And, and when Square feels like a game isn't sort of up to big budget scratch, it, it kind of assigns it to its indie imprint. Um, and Square's been doing a great job of bringing indie games uh, to consumers as well with that with that new Square Enix collective. So I think this looks like the most interesting thing. But again, if this was at E3, it would have just... It settled at the bottom of the barrel. Nobody would have even noticed it. So yeah, well, it's a good place to kind of pop it up for the first time, and then we'll probably see more at E3 Maybe. next year. 
maybe. It looks like it's really early. Like the even this limited stuff, they they put a disclaimer at the front saying this is not in-game footage. So this was mm -hmm. all just pre-rendered, whatever, just to announce the game. Yeah, well, about, that gives them. It's almost a year from now. Yeah. So, I could I could see them showing something at, at Sony's conference in E3. Yeah, I have a feeling. Uh, could could now that Kojima is not with Konami, Jeff Keighley won't be getting Konami stuff. Uh, exclusively for the Game Awards yeah. anymore. So yeah, maybe next year is a, a better bet for it. But yeah, I'm, I'm gonna guess there's not gonna be a lot of Konami stuff at the t at TGAs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're gonna get the exclusive on the first gameplay of uh, Zone of the Enders or anything. No, no <laughs> I don't, I don't see not. that happening. Uh, let's see. Next game we're gonna talk about is Earth Defense Force Iron Rain. Uh, this is a crazy series. This is one of those anomalies in the game games industry. It's a franchise that tends to sell really well and is pretty awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's it's managed it's like, to find a but niche. But it's awful in a really appealing Endearing way. Endearing way, yes. Uh, they call, in Japan, they call them kusoge, yeah. which is short for shit games. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like kind of like how we watch bad movies yeah. to enjoy the, you know, the so bad is good kind of thing. Right. And the Earth Defense Force games are totally that. With, without a doubt. But here's the thing. Now Yux is developing this one. Yeah, this one And it actually looks good. like a real game. <laughs> but see, here's the Which thing. Which is interesting because it puts way more pressure on right. this one. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, this won't be a game that's so bad that it's good. Yeah, like, you're actually going to have to put some physics on the ants on right. this one. <laughs> you know? No one's going to give this a pass when they look at no. it. No. Like, Earth Defense Force, you play it, you're like, this is a goofy, bug-blasting, alien-smashing... Yeah, I mean, look, I mean I'm, I'm actually a little more interested in... Because they also showed Earth Defense Force 5. They did, the, yeah. the, And... Yeah. That one that has one looks like that one has games. has giant bat wing toads yeah, yeah. and eating people and yeah. that's awesome. Um, this one looks like it's really trying to kind of do it straight up. Like, as a matter of fact, when they first showed this for a second, I I remember I thought it was that that survival horror disaster game where like Godzilla's in it yeah. and Evangelion and all this. Damn disaster. Yeah, and uh, but it's not. It's this. Um, we just got I me. Mean, look, I love the Earth Defense Force games. I'm willing to play whatever they want to throw at me, and if they want to throw like a better game at me, great. Yeah, <laughs> like I'll take that. But I'm also going to play the shitty ones. Yeah, I, I just think I think it's ironic that this game may end up being better than those other ones, and it might have a chance of selling worse. Yeah. That's true. Well, because you're, you're strained from the formula, and some people just want that formula. It's like it's like if you accidentally made a really good Dynasty Warriors game, would it fly? I don't know. <laughs> I frankly, and like this looks cool. I mean, I'm I'm into what they're doing here, but frankly, right now I'm more interested in that Earth Defense Force Five put in a giant robot you control. Yeah. Because that's by the you know by Sandlot. Those are the guys who made Robot Alchemic Drive, which is another PS2 game nobody remembers, but I love. Yeah. Um, Rad. Where, where you basically control you control like you're like it's cla like Johnny Sacco and his giant robot, which we know is Gigantor. You are basically a kid who gets a giant robot, and you have to stand somewhere on the destructible city environment and control him remotely. And like it's like trying to control a marionette, and like accidentally knocking buildings down while you're trying to fight these monsters, and it's it's awesome. It's yeah. it's, it's it's terrible, but it's awesome. It's one of those kind of awesome. cult games that a lot of people are and uh, with. and the, those the same people who made you know once Earth Defense Force kind of took off as sort of a niche 
phenomenon. They basically never went back to that idea. Right. But if they're going to bring that into Earth Defense Force Five, like you can take my money right now. I think so I'm, I'm excited about where this this franchise is going, both in terms of where the the the, the crappy one is going to go next, and where they're going to go with this one that Ukes is making that might actually be good in terms of, in its own terms as a game. Well, the other thing I noticed about Iron Rain is that it seems to focus a lot more on battling mechs versus mm. battling the bugs. Yeah, well, it depends. I mean, there's whole levels about destroying robots in yeah. you know because the, the, there's no consistency to the aliens in this in the series like. They start with giant like a race or ants. Well, they, 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 there's giant ants, and then they send giant tarantulas and jumping spiders, and then r- giant robots show up, and then flying saucers, and then, I mean, there's no. I think that's pattern. part of the appeal, though. I oh, think. it's just, it's just like a it's a yeah. mishmash of all kind of '50s B sci-fi stuff, Monster and the, the voice yeah. acting is ridiculously over the top cheese. Uh, your your teammates are all running around chanting EDF, EDF yeah. all the time. My favorite line <laughs> of all time, I think, was in. Two or three, and when you first go down, because all the lines are randomized, but like when, the, when you first go down into the the tunnels, like a, several, many, I mean, these games also are really long. There's like they 60, are, 80 yeah. missions in each one. Yeah. They just take forever. Uh, and there's like five difficulty settings that do not stack as yeah. well. It's like you, if you, <laughs> you want to complete these games 100%, I'll see you next year. You have to play every But one you, of them, you go yeah. into the, the tunnels to hunt down the ant queen or something, and one of my guys goes, We're on an exciting underground expedition. And I'm just like, this game is awesome. Like, this is this is great. <laughs> yeah, so it looks like they're trying to bump up the production values of that a little bit. I think the jury's out on whether that will make it more or less successful, though. I mean, I'll keep my eye on it, but uh, I don't know. I mean, the success kind of comes from how half-assed it is. So it it's, does. It's, it's, like you say, it's going to be interesting to see if making a good Earth Defense Force game torpedoes it. It might. <laughs> I completely sink the franchise. Who told you I wanted a good game? <laughs> I want Earth Defense Force, damn it. E-D-F. 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 All right, now we're going to talk about uh, Dissidia, Final Fantasy, NT. Uh, this game has been in Japanese arcades for mm. a year, year and a half now. It's finally coming to PlayStation 4. We knew it always was going to, uh, but finally it is coming to Sony's console. Uh, the big announcement at TGS is that Noctis from Final Fantasy XV is now coming to... Well, well now I'll pre-order it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is... To me, this is a big story about nothing. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge Put, fan of Noctis anyway. No, after putting, playing putting Final, Final Fantasy XV things in something is not the way to get me to buy it. <laughs> but I am interested in this game. I, I like the PSP ones. The Dissidia games? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're a diff- it's a different kind of fighting game. And I think it might... One, it's going to appeal to Final Fantasy fans. Two, it is mm. kind of more of a casual fighter. Uh, it's almost like an arena hack and slash more than like a, a really complex fighter where you have to learn a lot of intricate uh, inputs and things like that. Uh, so I think it might find a market. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they didn't call it Final Fantasy XV Dissidia. Yeah. Because I mean. <laughs> Square Enix has been real hype on doing that kind of stuff over the, the last like year and a half. As I long think... as Final Fantasy is in the name, it'll be fun. Yeah, that's good enough. Uh, so... I think getting it off the handhelds is probably the best move they could be doing here. Um, it gives it, it's going to give it an opportunity to be exposed to a much wider audience. And it ain't like anything else in Final Fantasy is available for a while. So no, that's tied, true. Tied it may be a decade over. until... He gets something else that Tied isn't some just people a over until the old. Final Fantasy VII remake shows up. Oh, yeah. And that, and that, and actually, that may be 10 years. So Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, then the last game we want to talk about from Sony's TGS press conference is Dynasty Warriors 9. Uh, they showed a huge trailer for that. You guys are going to see it right now. Mm. Or, um, uh, was it? Uh, it's 8 there, right? 
Yeah, right. Yeah, the the nomenclature with the games is different there. Yeah, because they started with a fighting game here. I yeah, I saw some uh, some of the press actually screw that up. Like they reported it as Dynasty Warriors Eight. Eight yeah, not no, realizing it's... that um, the numbers were different in each territory. Coming early next year, worldwide yeah. release all at once. They are really cranking these out. I mean, not just the, but I'm, t- I'm talking about like we got eight, and then we got Hyrule Warriors, and we got the Berserk game, and then we get this, and then we're getting Fire Emblem Warriors. Like this Omega is a, Force is just on fire. Like, it, like it's either that or it's just barfing out like, clones. I know it's like they're it's like they're making these at Foxconn or something. Yeah. <laughs> Dynasty Warriors Nine uh, is open world, so it, for the first time really ever in franchise history, there is a big change coming to the game. Mm. Uh, it remains to be seen just how big that change is. Um, yeah, just saying you have an open world is. could not, you know, there could be a chance that it doesn't really change that much with how the game plays, to be honest with you. I mean, at least it looks better. Oh, certainly. I mean, easily the best looking game in the series, as it should be. I mean, this is the first Generation 8 uh, original game released in this franchise's lineage. So, it should be good. I mean, look, there's horse riding, and you can jump in the water and swim. I mean, the the big... horse riding looks like somebody actually bothered to animate it. Right. Time, I mean, so. sadly, these are features that are new to this franchise. Horse riding's been in there forever. Yeah, I guess so. But I think they're making a point that the, it's for traversal and not just for combat. Mm. Because you're in an open world, and obviously you need to get from one place I mean, to another. See, that's the thing that makes me skeptical about the open world thing is, like, the, the maps are pretty big to begin with. That's I, what I'm I've, saying. I've ridden yeah. horses around the maps all the time to get places as opposed to running, so it's like, right. I, I don't, I'm not sure what they're going to do that makes that any different. Here. Well, they're just going to stitch all those areas together into one big area, probably. And then hopefully give you a fast travel option yeah, I mean, so you don't like, need yeah, to be no, a horse. Nothing enhances uh, <laughs> gameplay like transit. Do you think there's still an audience for this game? I know Jim Sterling loves this franchise. Maybe. I mean, I would love to play a good one again. I really liked Hyrule Warriors. I thought Hyrule Warriors felt better than any Dynasty Warriors game in the last several years. Yeah. Um, I'm going to buy Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, in part because I just love the Fire Emblem character designs. Yeah. And see, but but I, I like the concept of the Warrior, the Dynasty Warriors games. I like just hack and slashing through hundreds and thousands of characters, and I, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um but I've done the Romance of the Three Kingdoms thing so often that, like, I feel like I'm just... You know, I can't play another damn Yellow Turban Rebellion. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it's like, unless you're really giving me something interesting, which is why Hyrule Warriors hooked me, because it's not anything I've done before. It's still something I like, and I'm, you know, I'm pre-interested in. But, like, I don't know. Like, it's just... it's. I'm going to have to really... People are going to have to rave over this thing to get my attention. Like, Agreed. So, and I'll, Especially because by the time this comes out, I'll probably have already played through a fair chunk of Fire Emblem Warriors, which will probably have ongoing DLC happening. I'll be invested You'll in that game. You'll have hit your quota. And I don't know why Lusa. I'd want to go yeah. back. I mean, look, <laughs> I want to fight Lubu as much as anybody, but like... And I will always go back to uh, to play Cow P whenever I can. <laughs> I don't know if that's how you're actually pronouncing that anymore, but it is how they pronounced it in one of the old games because yeah. the English localizations were never all that great. Yeah, back in the day. Um, but uh, I just don't I mean I picked up Dynasty Warriors Eight Empires for like. Nine bucks in a sale. That's about I, all I'd pay for one of these games, yeah, unless and I, like and you I said, this one is fine. completely redoes the formula. Yeah, this is going to take like I mean, I'll jump in on this if like <laughs> perfect timing with him huge, jumping into the yeah, water. Yeah, if huge <laughs> like scores and like Jim Sterling says it's the greatest thing he's ever seen because yeah. he you know I take his reviews of this series with a grain of salt. 
Yeah, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I I can usually discern from what he says, like what I think about things. Yeah. Like, he's a useful. Like I say, like you know, I don't have to. You don't have to agree with a critic for him to be a valuable critic. Right, and right. I think Sterling yeah. Sterling is is a very good example of that because I don't always agree with him on things, but I know where he's coming from, and I I know how we differ more or less. And like, I will I will always gain valuable information from Jim Sterling, even if I hate everything he says in a video <laughs> even even videos where i'm like i don't agree with anything you said but i i you know i get something out of it a lot of it is just being really descriptive right well he's very good at that he is yeah for sure um and that's what, what we need but basically everybody's gonna have to praise this to hell and back for me to really want to jump in at launch there's way too much there's way too much other good stuff to play especially q1 next year assuming that's when this would come to the west i don't know if that would be a localization issue I mean, look. If, if that comes around, comes to the West around the same time, you're you're bumping up against Nino Kuni too. And I'm sorry, but uh, yeah. Studio Ghibli wins in that in that yep, fight for sure. Uh, so that pretty much wraps up Sony's TGS 2017 press conference. There were a couple other games. There was a new Idol Master and more Japan-centric stuff. But this is really the bulk of what's there. Are you still willing to say that this is okay? I mean, we're supposed to be, about this o- is the PS4 hitting its, like, peak here. I don't know about okay, but it's pretty much what I expected. Uh, I guess that's what I'd say. I expected way more than this. TGS has, this is about as interesting as TGS gets these days. I mean, look, I Look, I I'm just happy it's not a giant mobile gaming show anymore. I mean, TGS hasn't been worth going to since probably 2010. Yeah. At GT, 2010 was the last year where we actually got good content out of it. We went back 2011 because we had a good 2010 and then we went back 2012 saying this might be the last time if it doesn't improve. I it, think we stopped sending people on 2010. And by 2010, we were literally sending Morgan and a producer. Right. Like we, I used mean, to, well, we, we used to send an army. Yeah. You know? we used At to G4, send we everybody. sent like 30 people to yeah. Tokyo Game Show. But that was for Attack of the Show and X-Play and everything. Yeah. But we would never do that. But at game trailers, like even, even three years after we did that, we would never consider it. It was just, it was all mobile stuff. There was nothing to talk about. Yeah, and game trailers, like we were all in at first. Like even like our executives went. Like the first year we covered oh, Tokyo yeah, Game Show, because everybody they wants to go to Tokyo. To go. Yeah, right. But then we started cutting it down, cutting it down, and then by 2012, I actually went that year, uh, and I think we had like six guys go, something like that. Um, and then we uh, we hired a fixer to to help us with with everything. Um, but we, when we returned from that show, we had like nothing. Like it was probably the biggest waste of money, uh, that we spent in all the time I was at GT and never, I don't think they ever went back again. And for the most part, most of the smaller sites just don't bother to go anymore. So I hear you when you say, this is what you expect from Tokyo Game Show. Mm -hmm. To me, kind of the anomaly of TGS has always been Sony's presser though. That's like the one time where you actually get some legit stuff out of it. And I just felt really let down by that this year. I so I mean, I guess maybe from our perspective as more Western gamers, but like in terms of what was in there, like it felt like it was it hit all the notes for that market. They didn't show a new Vita color. Well, <laughs> doomed. It showed. I mean, they showed the new Yakuza stuff. They showed the. the they did. Yeah, they showed Kiwami. Oh, Kwame Two. Kwame rather. Two. Yeah. They showed uh, the Fist of the North Star game by the by the Yakuza guys, which looks pretty much made. I mean, there's a, there's a hostess club. Se- there's a hostess club sequence <laughs> yeah. in that trailer where he's in a tuxedo, and so I'm yeah. like, well, okay, sure, why not? He's making drinks and stuff. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, it, 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 there was a bunch of dating game stuff. There was some Idol Master stuff. That, I mean, it's just like yeah. it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like, yeah. it's not for us, really. I mean, there, it was kind of them, it was for a while. It was kind of them to. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I am interested in in there. It was a lot of PSVR. There was some, it, it's, 
like, it was kind of them to have an English voiceover. Yeah. For a lot of it. You know, like, Even though it was terrible. Yeah. The guy who started it was great, and in the middle it switched to some woman who was awful. Yeah, but at least I understood more or less what was happening. Yeah. More than I could say if they didn't do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, they, they made a whole song out of Star Wars Battlefront 2. <laughs> the the Japanese yeah. dubbing in, in Call of Duty World War 2 actually sounded pretty good. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't blow me out the back of the theater or anything, but I thought it was all right. It was about what I thought. I thought it was get. bad. Really bad. Really disappointing. And the other part of it, too, is I was up till like, 3 in the morning. A lot of, like, lot of Taiko Drum Master. Yeah. I, was, I mean, it was just... It was super Japanese, and that's kind of what I expected it to be. I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I didn't expected. Ex- more. I didn't expect Elder Scrolls Six to get announced or anything. You know. Yeah, I expected more because of what I kind of started the discussion with. How Nintendo is kind of starting to eat Sony's lunch in Japan, and mm. I just thought it might pull out some more stops to try to kind of stem the tide a little bit. What's but. ready is what's ready. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out if stuff was ready or wasn't ready in the next couple months. Well, also, and to some degree, maybe it's better to keep your head down away from the Mario hurricane to pass and, uh, you know, start again in in the new year. That's a good point. Give give, give Jeff Keighley something to really blow out in December. How about that? I mean, mean, truth be told... They they usually keep stuff for PlayStation experience, though. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, the stature of TGS is, is at such a point in 2017 that... I could literally see Sony US saying, we're not giving yeah, you. Yeah, that's also, that's also very possible. And we'd rather give it to PSX or yeah. the Game Awards or Paris Games Although Week. maybe bring the people who sang that song back to, <laughs> to, to do the FIFA thing at the EA press conference next year because that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. But uh, look, TGS is coming. And even though I was disappointed with Sony's press conference, that doesn't mean the whole show is going to suck. And uh, we'll be curating all the best content. Uh, from TGS on Sifted, as always, sortable by over 60 different categories. So there's going to be a big deluge of media coming into Sifted, but you'll be able to make sense of all of it thanks to the way our site works. So make sure you check it out this weekend. Our last topic of the show, and this is an extremely short one, maybe the shortest episode of Game Face since Marcus left the show. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about Metroid Samus Returns. Uh, we had 11 or 12 topics in the show last week, more than the one, the one before that. Didn't really have room for this. I didn't really have time to play it until now well, either. I didn't even get it until Monday. Yeah, I've so. actually had it for a little while. I've just had time to, to crack it open and play it. Uh, game's not been getting amazing reviews. Mm-hmm. It's, they're good, but they're not amazing. First 2D Metroid in forever. And granted, it is a remaster or a remake, I guess you could say. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely a remake. Yeah, of Metroid 2 from the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your initial impressions of it, Matt? I like it. Yeah. It's really good. Um, like I get why people are not like nining and tending it because uh, I think some of the controls are a little. I mean, while the the free aim ability is good, like it's a change and it doesn't. I mean, I find it a little tiring to play with the with the stupid thumb disc thing. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of uh like the the counter move where you hit you hit the X button and you counter and enemies yeah. like. Uh, it's an interesting idea, but I think it's simplistic and it's used too much. Um, like it's it's the way you beat everything, basically. And like, yeah, you don't have to, but like for like the Metroid boss, every game that has counters it in it, the game ends up being all about yeah. counters. Like but, about like Assassin's Creed, like yeah, any game that includes it, you just end up abusing it. But in general, I mean, I love two D, you know, two D Metroid. Like in the end, like two, you know, the classic two D Metroid may be my favorite Nintendo anything, like even above Zelda, um, and it feels really good to play. Uh, I love uh, Samus's animation. Uh, she, she, like, there's a lot of character in her animation in this that isn't hasn't been there in a lot of the other 2D games. Where like, 
she's got a grace to her that also has like power yeah. and like i like a lot like a lot of the the, the kind of positions she ends up in to like aim different places and like because when you counter it's very it auto, it auto aims and, it, and yeah. like it looks really good yeah um it all flows real well like some of the new abilities are cool that they've added like ability to scan an area and find like hidden things and um bringing in some prime elements there yeah um and it feel, I, I like it like i don't super love it yet i'm a little lost right now i can't figure out where to go next. that's metroid uh, but that is metroid for sure i'm not you know that's that's you know it's not super easy like that it but. can drive me crazy sometimes though yeah but particularly I, in the prime games with boy. like the wireframe 3d map where you right have... and you can't see what the hell you're supposed <laughs> to yeah that's true but it feels really good to play metroid again like that that's really the the long and the short of it and uh the, the, the doors look really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's a lot of cool little touches in this. And that's the other thing is, like, this is way better than Mirror of Fate. Oh, for sure. Which is Mercury Steam's previous 2D, you know, they did uh, the Castlevania game between uh, Lords of Shadow 1 and 2. And this is, like... Well, they also a... did the Castlevania 3D games, Lords of Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, like, they did a... Mirror of Fate was basically a between game. Which looked great. Looked great, but did not play any, like, even half as good as this. this it's, is... Or it didn't play half as good as it looked, either. Right. Yeah, I was a little nervous when I found out that Mercury yeah. Steam was creating this, but it's that clear, part of it... Clearly, the Nintendo quality control was in effect here. Yeah. They, they, got, a, they got a good thing out of them. Yeah, they had... A, they, I'm sure Nintendo was working with them very closely on this. Um... How do you feel about the fact that... And look, I would say, too, that the reviews are pretty accurate. Yeah. Um, they're not wrong. They're not Nintendo hating or anything. No. I, I think and, it's also, and it's also like, look, Metroid 2 is not the most compelling game in a series. It's like, not. Just by definition. But this game, it's a lot different than Metroid 2. Yeah. I mean, I haven't played it for quite a while, but my recollection of Metroid 2, they've changed a good bit about it. For oh, yeah. Well, the map this. is very... I mean, the map is recognizable, but it's very different. There's a lot of new areas. There's a lot of new side channels or whatever yeah um the, i mean the basic uh functionality of the game is the same you go in there's a bunch of metroids you got to kill 40 metroids or whatever yeah. all around the map and the game design is similar yeah, yeah. it's this it is the same story more yep. or less it's just there's a lot more there as at least from what i remember because like i haven't played metroid 2 in forever yeah uh i went back and played it not that long ago I, don't, I mean, I, not I, that long ago means like ten years ago or something. I played. Well, I played it a little bit because I have it on my 3DS as like virtual the virtual console, yeah. and so I I did go back and play a little bit when the the fan remake came out last year, um, just to refresh myself. Yeah. And it's in, that was it was an interesting which was shut game. down almost immediately. Yeah, but everybody already got it. Yeah, you, know, you, can, you can find it if you want to. And that's also an interesting comparison because the, the you know that is more of a fan game that was rooted in taking Metroid Two and adding the lessons and graphics and gameplay elements of Super Metroid to it. Yeah. And I think that is also a valid uh, reinterpretation of that game. Those, I, I don't think, you know, people talk about which one, which one, and I think both of them, I think a, a, AM2R and this uh, can exist, coexist just fine, because they're two very different takes on the same material. How do you feel about the fact that it is kind of getting lukewarm reviews? Here's the other part of it. It is not sold especially well. All this, the no. sales data we've got... In the UK, it debuted at 8th. Mm -hmm. In Japan, it debuted with around 30k sales in its first week. Metroid's not a sales juggernaut. Never has been. And then, coupled with the fact that it, it's not a new game, and mm -hmm. it hasn't reviewed particularly well... Like, how many copies do these Kirby things sell every time? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't like, get it. Like, 
Like you get 14 Kirby games, but this thing sells the same as that, and you get and you don't get another one for nine years. It's just making me a little nervous that we may not see another 2D Metroid for a long, long time. And it was a possible. long time to get this one. It's possible. The other part of it too is that you know I've I've not finished this game yet. I've played a good bit of it, but. I'm almost of the mind at this point that there are other Metroidvania games that are better than this. Like, I think I've, if, based upon what I've played so far of this, I think I enjoyed Axiom Verge more than this so far. I wouldn't agree with that. I all. mean, look, there's a nostalgia. Axiom Verge there. is really good, but, like, well, I don't have a lot of nostalgia for Metroid 2. No, I'm just saying I, for Metroid in general. Yeah, I just think this feels good to play. Um, and Axiom Verge does too, but it, it's a lot more Super Metroid. This doesn't have as much Super Metroid to it. This is yeah. I kind of thought they might lean a little more towards that direction. Yeah, too, but, but I, I think once you get free aim in the in the mix, like it just doesn't feel like Super Metroid anymore. Yeah. And that's not a, really a bad or a good thing. No. But it's it's just, it's just different. Uh-huh. Um, look, it's not other M, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. um, and one way or the one way or the other, we're still gonna get Metroid Prime Four. Yeah. Somewhere down the road, long way way down the road. Um, I would love if this would, you know, somehow kind of create a demand for more 2D Metroid. But, like, if it doesn't, well, at least we got this. I mean, that's the Metroid fans' mantra is, at least, at we, least got we got this. <laughs> and at least Federation Force didn't result in the series getting mothballed for 10 years. No, you're right. You know? Matt, why do you think Metroid does not sell well? Um, I don't I can't, I've, This is a mystery I've never been able to fully understand or explain. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It has, in my opinion, probably Nintendo's coolest character. Mm-hmm. The games are typically bleeding edge, really good, always usually reviewed extremely high. I love the look of them, and they're very satisfying. But they just don't sell. Well, they don't. They're, they're, Metroid is part of that kind of B-tier Nintendo, you know, property list, which is like everything that isn't Zelda and Mario, basically. And Smash Brothers. Yeah, although Smash Brother, yeah, the Smash Brothers sell in oh, Mario yeah. levels, yeah. Mario Zelda level. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, this this is uh, this is there. But with, I think it deserves Kirby. to be there. I think a lot of things deserve to be there, but it's not going to happen. Nintendo games. What other Nintendo franchises deserve to be among those those three? Well, I mean, this is a very subjective idea, but I think Pikmin should be. Eh, maybe. But like, borderline. I wish Pikmin was more popular. Let's put it. Yeah, that I'd way. agree with that too. Um, F Zero. Uh, should be up there. Yeah. Um, the uh, what was I thinking? But don't you think Metroid is the one that really should be there, though? Oh, Metroid is definitely. Yeah, like I said, Metroid. Of all is prob- of them, Metroid is probably taken as a whole my favorite Nintendo series. I mean, when you think about the time, the quality, the critics' response, it should sell way better than it does. Yeah, well, a lot of stuff should sell way better than it does, but. Not people, tip, not stuff that gets marketed people, as much as people Metroid got does. Dynasty Warriors games to play. <laughs> You're right. I guarantee you, Dynasty Warriors Nine will outsell this game yep. by a wide margin. Um, but so, would you wholeheartedly recommend this to any every Metroid fan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, in fact, I would be surprised if those people weren't already playing this while listening to us. Yes. Probably, I you're mean, probably right. You don't yeah. need us to tell you that. Yeah. It's... But, I mean, look, there are some people who are on the fence, obviously, because a lot of people don't buy this series. What about for people who don't buy Metroid and have passed on it? Should they buy it? I think everyone should play Metroid. Yeah. Because I mean, like, <laughs> that means I'll get more Metroid later. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> Just being selfish. Right. But, I mean, I think it's good. I mean, I don't have an idea of, like, I can't, I have trouble separating kind of, the, I guess, probably the, the, the inherent fandom or nostalgia I have for Metroid 
from like like you say like, why don't these things sell? I don't fucking know. Yeah, like I don't these either, are man. Uh, I don't Metroid get it. games are great. Like yeah. Metroid Prime's one of the greatest games ever made. The first that one. That one sold pretty well. That one sold well, but it's still I mean they still they sell in like the the 300,000 range. They don't sell in the millions. Well, you know? I mean the first Metroid Prime did sell over well over a million. But if you start looking at then Prime 2 and Prime right. 3, the sales went down every time. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, man. I hope this isn't the last 2D Metroid that we see, but I... I don't think anything Nintendo makes will be the last anything yeah. Nintendo makes. You know, <laughs> like, they'll try it again and later. I just It's more like the whole, I just hope it's not the last one we see until we're in our 50s. Until I'm yeah. too old to play them. <laughs> and at our age, you gotta start thinking about that kind of stuff, so... I do have a friend who's been saving all his JRPGs for when he's too old to have reflexes. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. One thing I would say is maybe you should go out and buy like the collector's edition of this. Yeah, you know, if you can find it. If you can find it. I think I think Amazon still has it. Yeah. I, think I got I, it. I think they just actually put more back up for sale on maybe GameStop the other day. So um, Amazon put more up and they were available like two days after it came out. So yeah. like, they're, they're, they actually made enough collector's editions for everybody. But doesn't that kind uh, of They did show... not make enough Amiibos for everybody. Yeah, yeah, they sold out immediately. But doesn't that kind of show the lack of demand for Metroid? A little bit. The I mean, fact that they're like, hey, we have more than... Or maybe we should just be happy but, that finally Nintendo made enough of something. Yeah, but, I mean, there was a second wave of collector's editions of uh, Fire, Fire Emblem Echoes as well. I mean, like, yeah. Nintendo seems to be finally be catching on that they can sell more of these. If they make If more. they make more of them. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, I mean, it's not like they didn't, like, blow out the doors to some degree. I mean, you got the new Amiibos, which are really cool. Um, you've got the collector's edition available, and you have a brand new 3DS themed around, Met- which I bought, by the way. I bought the, the Met- I got yeah. the Samus 3DS. I'm, I, not, I haven't opened it because you can I only, wouldn't. You only put your goddamn account on one 3DS at a time right. because of Nintendo. But I'm u- saving it as like my backup in case something happens to my existing 3DS. Yeah. Because um, I love, I love Metroid and I love Samus, and I feel like I'm probably not going to get another Samus themed Nintendo system anytime soon. So oh, they'll make a Metroid Prime 4 Switch. If they make a I Metroid sure Prime 4 Switch, I will buy that. What if it's just the Metroid Prime 4 logo on it? Will you buy it still? Well, depends how, <laughs> de- depends how much my launch Switch has bent. Yeah, yeah. Hand. Mine's still bone straight. Mine's still Mine's, good. Mine, you can see it. You can see it starting on a yours? Little, I mean, if you if you lay it down, you're like, oh, it's a little... It's a little really? So, like, I mean, I don't care. I'm never going to use it as a handheld. So, yeah. it can it can do... As long as it keeps working, it can do whatever the hell it wants in, in that, that stupid dock. dock. <laughs> All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. There was actually a ton of good, great trailers this week. It was hard choosing one, uh, but there's one game, one franchise that uh, showed off of an important feature for the very first time this week, and that is Call of Duty World War II, showing off the story mode or the campaign, whatever you want to call it. Um, Are you officially supposed to say Call of Duty World War II or Call of Duty WW2? I don't really give a crap. I'm going to say <laughs> World War II. <laughs> Because the abbreviation is longer to say than the actual words. You're right, you're right, actually. And it's also been interesting, too, watching sites, how they title it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of sites are calling it WW number 2 mm-hmm. because they know that's what people are going to search for. Most people aren't going to use the Roman numerals right. II. But what's the logo say? Like the actual it's official It's WWII. Okay. Yeah. Wee. Wee. <laughs> you won't be saying that after you watch this trailer. This trailer is... Uh, I think pretty dark, in all honesty. Uh, it looks like the campaign in this game is going to be pretty serious. Uh, Sam, let it roll. Hey! Stop! 
of the biggest operation of the entire war. All right, fellas. This is our chance to break out of Norman. Won't be easy. But you focus on your men, because that's what'll get you through. If we get this convoy across, we're in the heartland. Oh, We thought we knew what war would be like. But nothing prepared us for this. Where's the union? Lose the tags. Lose them. They're after Jews. The union. I'm not giving up on my platoon. We are cogs in the machine, Joseph. We start going our own way, the whole thing breaks down. When did you forget that? These are men! Our men! When did you forget? Let's take that bridge and find our boy. Gear up! Let's move! You think you got some guts, don't you? This isn't us. Well, look, it's all or nothing. It's all been leading to this. Let's move. Ain't that something, Fritz? <laughs> Matt, is it possible to make a campaign in a World War II first-person shooter that doesn't seem like it's Saving Private Ryan? Probably not. Saving <laughs> Private Ryan and Band of Brothers pretty much define how we look at that, I think, cinematically in a modern context. I'll tell you, I will make a, a Call of Duty campaign prediction. Uh, at this point, though, for two years out. Oh, two years out? Two years out. I hope we're here to be able to see if Not you're right. Not next year, but two years out. <laughs> right. Or maybe the year after. Will be Vietnam. Okay. Because uh, Ken Burns' Vietnam uh, series that just started premiering this week, international sensation. Oh, really? Uh, more more international uh, like countries, more different countries have licensed it for broadcast in their in their country than any other Ken Burns documentary ever. Wow. So Vietnam, the Vietnam uh, War thing he did is going to have huge pickup, and I think if you're going to try and tap into the military zeitgeist of history as the Call of Duty creators, I think they're going to start thinking about the Vietnam War right now. Where can people watch that, Matt? Uh, PBS, their, their site. Uh, you can watch it for free there. You can get it on probably Amazon. on their YouTube channel too. I'm guessing uh, it might be. I haven't looked. I've been watching it on their site. Uh, and then any local public broadcasting in America has it. And then um, various. I you know each if this broadcast internationally, each it's a different channel on each, whoever licensed it there. Gotcha. So check your local listings. I guess if you're in Europe or whatever. But it's uh, it's a it's a very interesting. I think the first two episodes are the most interesting because they t they give the background on why it happened, going back a hundred years to the French colonialism and imperialism that sort of created the situation to begin with, which most Americans don't realize was the background for that. Yeah, and uh, it's it gives you a lot of context for that. It was very interesting. But I think that is going to start a conversation that makes Vietnam like a hotter topic, and uh, Activision is going to try to tap into that with uh, Call of Duty. Interesting prediction. Oh, I forgot to mention, you guys should have got your questions in during the trailer of the week. Some of you guys they already were. know, and there's some questions in already, but you can send them in now. 
here's a good one. W. Matthew, what do you think of Epic turning on cross-platform play between Xbox One and PlayStation 4 by mistake? Oh, I'm sure that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, Epic comes Oops. out and says... Oops, what this, what's this I've tripped over? Yeah. Epic comes out and says... Basically chastises Sony for not allowing it, and yeah. then by accident, it accidentally turns it on. Yeah, almost as if to say, "Look how easy, it easy is. this is." I mean, it pretty like much, we don't even need Sony's permission to do it. It just puts Sony on blast, basically, yeah. and said, "Look how petty Sony is being over this." Um, I, mean, Sony... I don't think a lot of people are going to pick up on it. No one's going to tweet at PlayStation. I can't believe you're not allowing cross-platform play because of it. Yeah. But I do admire Epic for just going a little rogue there and being like, "Look, we're going to show you." At least the people who care are going to know right. that what, it's all on you. And it's also like they're one of the few companies that can do that with impunity. Right. Because it's like, what are you going to do? Like, cut off the people that make Unreal? Yeah, it's you like, can't. You, know, you can't do that. They, <laughs> so I think it was great. Like, I, uh, I, one, I don't believe that it was on accident at all. No, I don't believe that. Epic doesn't do stuff like that. And if it did, it wouldn't admit to it. That, that seems like a switch you would label. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, you don't leave that one unmarked. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I love that Epic did that. Uh, it just seems to be this like thing that's rumbling below the surface in the game industry right now. Everyone else is on board to do cross-platform play but Sony. Mm -hmm. Like at a certain point, I like that the publishers are kind of starting to apply this pressure to Sony for a pro-consumer reason. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, I think from PR standpoint, they're just going to have to allow it because... Otherwise, you're just like, why are you... It's, it's like, we don't want... I mean, it's like, yeah, I understand from a business perspective why you don't want to allow that because you're in the lead and you don't need to worry about it otherwise. But at a certain point, you're going to have to start to answer to your, to your people. Give it another six months in Japan and Sony's going to start begging Nintendo to make Nintendo's mm. games cross-compatible with Sony once it takes the lead because it's on its way. It is going to take the lead over PlayStation 4 eventually. So it's easy to be a jerk when you're winning. Uh, when you're not winning, it makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah. And so. Sony, if there's one thing Sony needed to learn from the PlayStation 3, it's to always remember where you came from. I feel like it hasn't. I feel like it did at the beginning of the generation, and I feel like since mm -hmm. then it's kind of started slipping. So, so At some point, one of these companies is going to learn, because they keep falling into that same pattern. Over, you know, Microsoft did the same thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's like, oh, we were consumer-friendly with the Xbox 360. Screw that! Yep. And then Sony did the opposite. We weren't friendly with consumers for the PS3. We had this crazy high price. PS4 all different. But yeah. now over the lifespan of the PS4, I've seen Sony slowly starting to slip back into the way it yeah, was. They get, so. they get real comfortable on the throne real quick. They do. And I think not just Sony. I think most publishers do. Oh, they all. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's one from Vic 7 If you and Matt could each bring a AAA budget to one game that's been on the decline since budgets skyrocketed, what genre? I don't understand that part. Could it be revitalized by the wild risks that came from your investment choice? I'm not sure I understand that question. I think if there was a, if there's a genre that's not a force in the in the world anymore, you could if you could take a triple A budget and make a new game that would revitalize yeah. that genre, what would you make? Well, until Super Mario Odyssey was coming out, I would say the 3D platformer mm. because that's a genre I used to really love. And, you know, we kind of hoped with ukulele that that's what we were going to get. And all ukulele ended up being was a game from 1998. Right. A reminder in, of why it went away. Yeah, pretty much. It really was. Um, and so maybe I should reserve judgment until I play more of Super Mario Odyssey. 
but that for me is is the genre that I would love to see revive with a big budget mm. and maybe with a little more of an angle towards an older audience because I think what publishers forget is that the people who grew up in the golden era of the 3D platformer and the N64 essentially those people are all old now mm-hmm. and they just haven't stopped enjoying that type of gameplay or games that just have a, a lot of gameplay variety. And that to me is kind of what the 3D platformer is. It's this label that we placed on it so we can put it up on a, on a shelf and say this is it. But to me what the 3D platformer really is is just a game that has a ton of different genres in it. It has shooting, it has jumping, it has puzzles, it has adventure elements where you have to discover stuff. To me the 3D platformer is kind of like every genre rolled into one. And I get it's really hard to create games like that that are really good and polished all the way through because you're trying to create a game with five or six different genres. There's racing. I mean, you can go on and on. Um, So I get where the challenge is, but I would love to see a publisher really put some serious money behind it other than Nintendo because Nintendo is never going to make an edgier 3D platformer. So Mm -hmm. that that would be my pick. Uh, I would take Star Citizen's budget and make X-Wing and TIE Fighter again. There you go. So Flight Sim. Big yeah, budget space, for a space, space, space sim, yeah. Um, which obviously, like, there is a big budget flight space sim being made in the form of Star System, But I'm talking about something. I'm talking <laughs> where the about money's actually going towards. Yeah, what I'm you talking care about, about something that would actually come out, and <laughs> and where the money's being spent on stuff you care about right. instead of stuff you don't. And also, look, I mean, as much as I'm interested in Star Citizen and the like, kind of the new space sims that are pro- cropping up, uh, Wing Commander and Star Wars have my attention as licenses already. So, like, I I want. TIE Fighter, again. And I want TIE Fighter with a modern budget. I don't want just a remaster or a remake. I want a full new game with... And I don't, I don't mean like the Starfighter mode in Battlefront. I mean, make that game again. But make it with modern tech and modern sensibility and modern playability. And that, that's what I would do. Okay. Would it revitalize the genre? No, because I'm the only one who cares. But, like, I, that's what I would do. All right, next one from SJD Swanland. Understanding that it was because Sony paid Activision to get Destiny exclusively... Exclusive content once again. Wouldn't Activision be better served to have the PC version have the same content to give more players incentive to use Link Deleted and butt their games? Hmm? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should pass on that one. Um, uh, I don't know. I'd, whatever. Uh, they were better served. Battle.net? Yeah, that must be what it is. Uh, they were better served to take money from Sony, apparently, because Sony paid them a lot of money. Like In a deal like that, by definition, whatever money you're being offered for the exclusivity or the advanced thing is more than you think you will make out of just going standard. So he's saying, uh, so I can get it now. So how did you see the link, by the way? Delete it out of mine. Right, right under the thing. Oh. <laughs> he's basically saying... Um, to give players more incentive to use Battle.net and buy their game. Mm-hmm. Um, th- what advantage really does is there to using Battle.net, though? I mean, it doesn't generate revenue. In fact, it probably just costs, re- costs you revenue. I mean, I think, he, yeah, he just means it, it keeps your eyes on, theoretically, on Activision's games, but all the other games on that are Blizzard's. Yeah. Um, I guess it would make more sense if they had a more robust kind of origin-style service that encompassed all Activision games and were right. just, like, you know, finally starting to branch out on that. Um Look, I think they've, they've sort of killed the PC version of Destiny 2 in the cradle to some degree because I certainly know a lot of people who could have played it on PC that have already jumped the gun and gotten the PS4 version already, both because stuff comes to PS4 version first, but also because they didn't want to wait a month and a half to play the game. Well, that's the other problem here is that the PC version comes later. Yeah. 
Um, and it looks beautiful, but like does. I ain't double dipping on that thing. Yeah, I, I want to play it. I had people to play, and everyone I know is playing on PS4. Yeah, yeah. For like, everyone I know is playing it. Period. Like yeah. my my friends list at night, it is just oh, yeah. destiny the whole way down. Um, so knowing that the PC version is coming later now, you know, but basically mm-hmm. what it, what's going to happen is the content's probably going to come out for the PS4 version, then the PC version is going to launch. Yeah, or around about there. So. In general, I mean, the game is a console game. It came from the console space. It has more fans on console. So I just think the deal makes more sense for the PlayStation 4 than the PC for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, and uh, That's where its audience is. Yeah, I don't, I don't... I mean, it's nice that they put it there. And But I, I was thinking, maybe I'd double dip one day if like I could get it cheap on PC just to see it look that good. But Activision doesn't do that. That Transformers game from five, six years ago is still 50 bucks on Steam. Yeah. You know, they don't drop their prices on things. It's one of the reasons I don't own any Call of Duty games on Steam. Because they just cost too much. Because Activision doesn't have to drop the price. And they won't have to drop the price on Destiny 2 either. No, you're right. Uh, next one from Kadaz. Seeing that COD is going back to World War II and Titanfall 2 was receiving tepid sales, is jetpacking and wall running a dead mechanic now? Have you seen any other mechanics become fads and fall out of favor in the past? Certainly didn't help lawbreakers. No, it definitely didn't. Um, yeah, traversal. I, think, I don't have an answer to that. I think that's a good question, though. That's the thing to keep your eye on going forward. I would say. Um, I don't think it's dead. No, not at dead, all. Dead, no. But I think it's not going to like the the, the jetpacking and the wall running isn't going to get you. Eyes, eyeballs by default. Anymore. You're gonna, you're gonna have yeah. to do something. It have to be, it have to be good. Because there's plenty of interesting traversal mechanics in Overwatch. Yeah. But it's all character driven. Yeah, and I think that is why Overwatch is doing so well, is because it's not one size fits all. Right. There are, if you like wall running or jetpacking, then you find the characters mm-hmm. that do that. If you don't like it. You find a character right. that doesn't do and that. And the advantage of that also is, I think, that <clears throat> uh, you feel cool when you use a special traversal ability your character has to do something successful. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, and whereas if, if everyone's running around doing the same thing, it, it can kind of become a little a little uh, monochromatic. Let's yeah. Say. It's like in uh, it's like in the Incredibles where the kid says, uh, you know, if if everyone's special, then nobody is. But if like, if you you know if you know if you did something if you got a kill or you got a, a key play that only your character could have pulled off, like, that's a more exhilarating experience. I think think. in general what we're seeing is that creating a game where everybody does the same thing and looks the same is a huge mistake in 2017. And people are starting to demand more than just you have a different helmet on. Yeah. I mean, your character has to look different. It has to act different. And each character has to be really good and feel good Mm -hmm. to play with. Um, I think that's the lesson that we've learned from Overwatch versus all these other games that have failed, mm. which we've talked about a ton on today's show. And I think is that, that Overwatch provides variety and something for every player. And I also think that ties in with that thing you always talk about where everything is getting RPG elements to yeah. it. Like, this is basically uh, choosing your class. Yeah, And it is. personalizing something to how you like to play and how you want to be seen in the game. Yep. And even though Overwatch is obviously not an RPG, I think there is an element of that. Role there. play. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right, we could maybe answer one or two more. Sam has to jet out of here pretty quick, so can't spend too much time. Um, texture glitch. It seems we've been here before in terms of World War II games. I remember when everything was World War II, COD, Medal of Honor, Brothers in Arms, etc. 
And Shane was talking about World War II fatigue. Then COD moved to modern warfare and future warfare and other games followed. Now we're talking about World War II being innovative and new again and Vietnam next. Is this just the pendulum swinging back? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's just a natural curve, and it's just going to go keep going like this. It's like people are eventually are going to burn out on World War II and World War One in Vietnam, and then they're going to be like, "Give me some future technology." And there's always going to be young people coming into the market who are then old enough to play M-rated games, like they're not playing them now. But there's always going to be new people coming into the market who are then going to start playing those games, who are going to come in during whatever era. They're going to come mm -hmm. in. Some people are just getting in now. They're going to end up playing all these World War II, World War One games. In seven years, they're going to get sick of them, just like we were back during the PS2 era. And then the publishers are going to respond, and they're going to start playing more traversal-focused, sci-fi, future-forward type shooters. So yeah, it's and just then a cycle. And then when they go, then they'll go backwards. But instead of going all the way back to the you know the classic conflicts, they'll start doing stuff like Desert Storm and uh, the Afghanistan conflict because enough time will have passed that that won't be quite so immediate. No, you're anymore. right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, the, there will be an era of modern warfare as well, yeah. probably, where we are, like, replaying, like, some of the more recent wars. Hopefully mm -hmm. it's not World War Four. And but... at a certain point, there will be a modern warfare where you and I will be like, I remember when this was the future warfare. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> That'll be, like, present-day stuff. Everybody's running around in Iron Man suits and drones everywhere. It's already kind of there. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff there. the military is using already is pretty intense, so. All right, we're going to cut off the questions there. Uh, it's time to... Uh, Mention our sponsor, ExtraTurns.com. Oh, Korean War. Somebody mentioned Korean oh, War. Oh, yeah. Has there been a game on the Korean War? If there is, I missed it. Yeah. But that's sort of the nature of the Korean War. It's called the Forgotten War for a reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're but right. It's, it's rapidly becoming more and more relevant. It is, surprisingly. Yeah. So, for sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see that pop up at some point, too. Yep. All right. ExtraTurns.com. Your games deserve more. There's so many stores and sites that will charge you 10, maybe 15% or more for the privilege of selling a used game. This is not in the copy, but that's eBay. We charge zero. ExtraTurns.com is a brand new marketplace being built from the ground up so you can sell your games, collectibles, electronics, and memorabilia. Not only will they beat their competitor's commission in every category important to you, but they'll also make exchanging your used games commission-free. You get 100% of the value of your collection. Sign up for pre-launch and share us on social media to be entered to win an SNES Classic this holiday season. There you go. Our sponsors at ExtraTurns.com. Go sign up right now. Uh, it's always great to support our sponsors um, to show that they're actually getting action from the sponsorship. So thank you very much, ExtraTurns.com. Hope you guys are doing great. So that wraps it up for us. Probably going to be a while to our next show next week yeah but probably later in the week so it's probably going to be right. like a more than a week's delay before the next one just want to give you guys a heads up on that before we say adios but maybe uh, we'll have uh well it's in, no it'll probably be before the super nintendo classic yeah you think because it's the 29th yeah well it has to be because yeah. I, I need to promote my insane 24-hour live stream i saw somebody in the comments say 24-hour live stream that's nothing is that true these days yeah People want a single person does more than twenty four hours. Uh, I mean, they'll go nap periodically sometimes. Oh, really? Take some breaks. It's not constant, but like, yeah, I've, I've, there's been forty eight, thirty, you know, really? seventy two hour. Well, they're doing drugs. That's the only thing I can say. Locked I'm doing a drug free people. It's gonna be bone straight. And often there are other than Red Bull, maybe teams or what. But yeah, like very long marathon live stream. Well, it is funny. Now. A lot of the people who have done that, they've later come out and said that they became like drug addicts because of it. So. <laughs> 
I'm doing mine clean other than Red Bull. I'm probably going to have a case of Red Bull sitting here just trying to make it through. So that's it for us. That's episode 103. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. Game Face is up and out. We'll be right back.